Welcome to welcome to the Tuesday, February 14th, 2023, Eden Area Municipal Advisory Council meeting. Um, let's go ahead and call the meeting to order at six o'clock. Um, clerk, let's do the Pledge of Allegiance. Ready, begin. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, thank you very much. If we could call the roll. Mm -hmm. Councilmember Steen, excused. Councilmember Free, present. Councilmember Sanzova, here. Councilmember Wilder, here. Councilmember Dean, here. Councilmember Dragon, here. Okay, you have a quorum. All right, the Eden Area Municipal Advisory Council welcomes you to its meetings and your interest is appreciated. Due to the COVID-19 public health emergency, the County of Alameda has made changes related to the Board of Supervisors meeting and will allow in-person and remote observation and participation by members of the public. In-person participation, the meeting site is open to the public. To protect employee and public Public health, one, masks are required to enter all county facilities and must be worn at all times. And two, the seating and occupancy of the meeting site has been reduced to remote social distancing. All in-person participants must adhere to posted health and safety protocols while in the building. Remote and teleconference participation, members of the public may observe and participate in meetings remote via teleconference by following the instructions in the teleconferencing guidelines posted online. If attending in person and you wish to speak on a matter, please fill out a speaker slip and submit it to the clerk as soon as possible. If you wish to speak on a matter not on the agenda, please wait until the chair calls for public comment. Note, only matters within the council's jurisdiction may be addressed. Time limitations shall be at the discretion of the chair. All right, so let's now go to public announcements, open forum, and public comment. If you wish to make a public comment regarding something that's not on the agenda, you may, if you are online, raise your electronic hand by the raise hand icon. And if you're in person, please approach the uh, lectern to my right. We do have one. We do have one speaker. Good evening. Hello. Hi. We can hear you. Uh, how many minutes do we have to speak? Three. All right. Yes, three minutes. Oh, th three minutes. Um, very good then. Uh, good evening. My name is Jason Bezes. I'm the uh, attorney for the Alameda County uh, Taxpayers Association. Uh, and I'm calling uh, again to thank uh, your Ignaria Mac uh, for, I believe, it was last October that you uh, took a very uh, uh, courageous stance um, to oppose the Interstate 238 proposed uh, uh, billboards. And so just to, to let you know uh, that the uh, Board of Supervisors likely is going to make a final decision on 
uh, the I-238 billboards at its March 9th meeting. And so uh, anyone in the community who's interested in weighing in on it uh, should, should uh, get, get their uh, comments to the, uh, to the uh, supervisors uh, before March 9th or participate on March 9th. Uh, but the concern that I just expressed today in a letter that I sent uh, to you is that there is a uh, 1968 agreement between Caltrans and the uh, federal government about uh, billboard locations. And it says in there, quote, no sign structures permitted within 500 feet of an interchange, uh, unquote. And so the problem with the I-238 billboard is that a lot of you know who get on the freeway there on the Welling is that it's right would be right at the on ramp onto I two thirty eight on westbound two thirty eight, and so it seems to violate that provision of the agreement uh, between the state and the federal government uh, because I two thirty eight is an interstate freeway, uh, and so I, I think there needs to be concern brought out there about the safety issues about having a billboard at a freeway interchange. Uh, but you can see the distractions that likely are going to happen when you're trying to merge to go into traffic, uh, and you've got this billboard looming above you, this new giant electronic billboard, and at nighttime, I'm sure it's going to be lit up quite like a uh, circus, I guess, if you want to call it that. So that was one concern. Uh, the other concern is is that, um, as many of you know, this entire issue about there's supposed to be revenue sharing uh, where the county gets the share of the money, but it turns out that a lot of the money the county's getting is going to go to this company called TR Advisors, which is a consultant to the county, and they're going to skim off a lot of the money. And the other issue, too, with the revenue sharing is that in the city of San Jose, the city of San Jose is working out a much better deal with the billboard companies. I mean, and I think they're getting like 55% of the revenue on certain of the billboards, but the county in Alameda is settling for a much lower number. And so if the billboards must be put there, the county's not getting a very good deal. Uh, and so those concerns, and of course, the, the impact it would have on the scenic corridor, and it's absurd that the county, uh, even though I-238 was a, is designated a scenic corridor back in 1977, the county's taking an absurd position that the scenic corridor is limited to the right-of-way of the highway just itself, not the adjacent uh, land uses, which is ridiculous. But a lot of us know there's a great All right. thank you so much on the billboard. All right, thank you so much for your comment. Thank All you. Right. Any others online? There are no more speakers. All right, that will be the public comment section on our agenda. Let's go ahead and close public comments. On to the approval of the minutes. Any minutes this time? All right. So, anyone like to speak on the uh, non existent minutes? All right. Don't see anybody. Thank you. We'll move on to our consent calendar. This is to adopt the findings authorizing remote teleconference meetings for the Eden Area Municipal Advisory Council. This is our action item to allow for continued teleconferencing. Any discussion? I'd like to um, have at least an overview of the, like a reading of it and take a motion to approve it or to accept it. Just an idea for the general public as to what that really entails because it establishes our ability to have a meeting tonight. So if you, sure. Are you asking for a reading of the summary of yeah, what, what, what we're really 
you want to shoot through that. Sure. And if you can correct me if I'm wrong at any time, Ashley, that you may know of, um, the current uh, health emergency is still in effect for the state and the county until February 28th. At that point, then the county, in conjunction with the state, will be lifting it. Um, it is our two. Or to our understanding that we will no longer be masking indoors. And so um, this is ultimately, ultimately, to my belief, the last time we will be um, having to approve uh, such um, a, um, an action item. So as it stands right now, the emergency still, still is in effect due to the pandemic, and that's why. Staff questions or um, council questions? Federal government regulations have nothing to do with it, is that correct? No, I don't, don't believe so. Okay. Yeah. That's a little concerning to me, right? That if they're declaring it federally, that could probably change. I could go on my lecture about federalism, but I don't okay. think you, I don't think you want don't. it. Okay. And we're going to have hybrid meetings, that's right. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, cool. Um, any other discussion or questions? If not, a um, motion. Michael, is that to your satisfaction? Do you wish yeah. it? All right, so I'll move to adopt by Member Freed. Second. Seconded by Member Weigler. Let's go ahead and call the roll. Councilmember Steen, excuse. Councilmember Freed? Aye. Councilmember Cizova? Aye. Councilmember Wilder? Aye. Councilmember Dean? Yes. Councilmember Jaboni? Yes. All right, thank you. Motion passes under our regular calendar. The East Bay Greenway Multimodal Project Update. This is an informational item. Is Tess here? All right. So Tess is a hybrid. Um, De Los Rios? De Los Reyes? Jay, hello. And I mean that. Hi. Welcome. Which one just left? Thank you. I think I'm put up the presentation. Good evening, council members. Is it okay to go ahead and get started? Yes, it is. The floor is yours. Okay. Um, good evening. My name is Tesla Gell. I'm the executive director of the Alameda County Transportation Commission, and I wanted to appreciate um, your inclusion of this informational update on the East Bay Greenway multimodal project on your uh, agenda for this evening. We're very pleased to be here. I'm Apologize, I'm not able to be there in person, but you have Jay De Los Reyes, our principal engineer, and Aleda Andrino Chavez, who will be presenting um, the project to you. I wanted to let you know, uh, if you could please go to the next slide, um, that Alameda CTC is um, 
has taken this project very seriously. Jay and Aleda will give you all the details about it, but we're moving this project forward all the way from Oakland down uh, to South Hayward, and then uh, eventually to the county line, working with jurisdictions along the way. I wanted to share with you a little bit about who the Alameda County Transportation Commission is uh, prior to the presentation. We are one of the 26 self-help counties in the state of California, which means that we have gone to voters and voters have approved a transportation sales tax measure to help fund transportation improvements throughout the county. We are the seventh the largest county in the state of California, a home to the major port of Oakland and International Airport. And we serve as both a congestion management agency and a transportation sales tax authority. So we are delivering projects throughout Alameda County. And we're here tonight because we want to share with you an update on this project that we're delivering in your area. And I'm going to turn it over to Jay De Los Reyes to go over uh, what we're going to go over tonight. And then we're uh, eager to hear any of your thoughts at the end of the presentation. So thank you for having us tonight. And I'll turn it over to you, Jay. Thanks, Next slide, please. For today's discussion, we'll be providing a project over to speak up for the people online. Got it. Oh, is this time? Yeah. Yes. Can you introduce yourself, please? Um, I'm Jay Dallas Reyes, a principal transportation engineer with the Alameda County Transportation Commission in our projects division. And for today's discussion, we'll be providing a project overview, a feedback from the outreach that we've done along East 14th Street in the communities of Ashland, findings from the project's parking analysis. And then we'll also take a deeper dive into the project's elements. We'll look at four different cross sections and how those cross sections compare to one another for this presentation. Next slide, please. So Alameda CTC is the responsible agency for project development of the East Bay Greenway project in the central area of Alameda County, as shown in the map on the screen. And it's one of the three major trails identified in the voter-approved 2014 Measure BB expenditure plan. You can see the limits of East Bay Greenway in this figure, which starts in Oakland to the north at the Lake Merritt Bart Station and ends at the South Hayward Bart Station for a total length of approximately 60 miles. The focus of today's presentation is related to the updates for efforts and for improvements in the Ashland area along East 14th Street. In 2022, the Alameda CTC, in partnerships with the cities, transit agencies, and the county, adopted a 400-mile-long countywide bicycle network aimed at delivering high-quality and all-ages and abilities facilities in Alameda County. The East Bay Greenway Multimodal Project is one of the many trails in this network. Next slide, please. The project benefits are focused on multimodal connectivity, such as bicycle facilities, transit improvements, and pedestrian access that get you to and from the board stations. Think of it as a first and last mile connection. Sustainable transportation options, which encourage all ages and abilities to use these facilities. Paramount to this project is providing safety and providing safe alternatives that make these improvements attractive to use to get to key destinations, such as schools, healthcare facilities, and businesses to and from your homes. Next slide, please. Alameda CTC has taken the lead to develop two projects that meet the previously described benefits. The focus of today's discussion is on the multimodal project, which our commission approved direction for in December of 2021. The multimodal project aims to construct improvements in three to five years using on-street facilities such as East 14th Street and Mission Boulevard. The urban trail project shown as phase two, or what may have been known as the rail to trail project is on a much longer timeframe due to ongoing discussions to construct a trail and rail right of way 
and is anticipated in over a 10 year time frame. Next slide, please. Coming back to the multimodal project, safety is an essential need to address. These maps show the bicycle and pedestrian high injury networks on the top portion of the screen, which represents the top 20% of occurrences of fatal and injury accidents along arterial corridors in Alameda County. You can see East 14th Street in Ashland up to the recently completed 162nd Avenue is part of this high injury network. The project invests in what is referred to as an equity priority community, which are areas that have high share of zero vehicle households, are rent burdened or below the federal poverty limit, or have high population of seniors. And finally, the East 14th corridor, even in Ashland, is identified as a priority development area, which are locations that are primed for development such adjacent to transit-rich areas such as BART or AC Transit bus service. With that, I'll hand this presentation over to Aleda Adriana Chavez to talk about the project outreach activities and the project features. Thank you, Jay. Uh, I am Aleda Andrino Chavez, transportation planner with the Alameda CTC. And uh, next slide, <clears throat> Now we're gonna be talking about the public outreach efforts that we have conducted for this project since 2018, uh, when the project was the East 14th Mission Fremont Boulevard corridor project that started from San Leandro to Fremont. We have um, conducted very uh, uh, robust public outreach and then now as part of the east bay greenway we have conducted public outreach as well in both instances we have been working in close coordination with the um, with staff from the alameda county public works agency and from each outreach we requested input to, to better understand how people move in this area and how people travel the types of multimodal improvements that they would like to see their safety concerns in the trade-offs. Next slide, please. So we're going to talk specifically about this recent public outreach between August and November 2022. We conducted three pop-up events that were attended by about 91 participants. We also conducted a door-to-door -door business survey. Um, it's an outreach that uh, we went through all of the businesses in that, that one-third of a mile uh, on its 14th. Uh, we interviewed the businesses with and without parking and their property. And it's worth noting that um, land use within this segment is uh, also in, in includes housing, some housing. In addition, we conducted an online community outreach. And in the next slide, I'm going to explain in more detail the uh, outcome of this uh, outreach effort. Next slide, please. So we are, we are an important feed, uh, uh, key feedback from this outreach event. These were the responses from the um, online community survey. We asked about preferences for physical and visual improvements, pedestrian safety preferences, transit and bike improvements. And as you can see, wayfinding signs, uh, uh, any measures that are drivers of a pedestrian presence, and preference for bike lanes behind people boarding buses garnered the greatest support. Also, street trees, the provision of medians for pedestrians, pedestrians crossing the street that provide a refuge when crossing the street, and preference for a, a separated bike lane from vehicular traffic uh, was also very important for this community. Um, 
So these elements were also highlighted during our pop-up events. Next slide, please. This is uh, this chart represents uh, a responses from the business owner outreach that we conducted. Um, as you can see, local businesses uh, were reached out to provide feedback on matters like popular travel modes, predicted parking impacts of uh, uh, the project on you know the project on their business, and um, the loading and loading uh, needs. Uh, our survey shows that about 34 percent of participants are reported that speeding and reckless driving was a problem and a concern on each 14. And they also mentioned that uh, a lot of school children cross and use each 14, which exacerbates these concerns about safety and reckless driving. Next slide, please. <coughs> so again, with the business owner feedback, when asked about parking access and usage, 95% of business owners reported that their customers um, drive to their uh, place of business. And 73% of uh, business owners stated that uh, removing a parking lane would have a high impact on their business. Next slide, please. Um, we also conducted a parking survey in November 2021, and we found that about this is uh, the parking survey included um, parking inventory and occupancy rates. We found that 72% of available parking is basically located in off street lots that include streets within 500 feet of the project area or project streets. And about 15% of the existing parking is on the side streets within 500 feet of the project streets with only 13% of available parking on the project streets, mainly East 14. This survey showed that the current street parking use is on average less than 50%. And just by reference, uh, industry standards use an occupancy rate of 85% to determine high parking demand. Next slide, please. As I mentioned previously, the project segment uh, in the county is on the pedestrian and bicycle high injury networks, therefore implementation of safety improvement is of paramount importance. And we have worked in close coordination with Alameda uh, County Public Works um, staff in developing four conceptual op options that Jay will go through in more detail on the, of the multi-model improvements that we have planned for the area. And on this slide, we show the improvements that we are proposing. Um, some of them are like, for instance, protected bikeways in the form of uh, mainly class four bikeways that are separated from vehicular traffic by a race median or by the parking lane or their elevator at the, at the sidewalk level. We also uh, are going to um, implement protected intersections, these critical locations, separated movements, uh, you know, by the, the, the movement uh, at the intersection. And studies have shown that a lot of uh, different types of collisions happen at intersections. That's why it is important that uh, everybody, especially the vulnerable users, are protected. Uh, we also are working with AC Transit and uh, selecting stops to enhance um, and separate movement, uh, the, the people riding uh, or boarding the buses from bicycle traffic. We are also going to improve the crosswalks along East 14. 
And we're going to use high visibility pavement markings and also flashing beacons or person hybrid beacons to help pedestrians cross the street. And we have heard in previous outreach and in this outreach as well that uh, the implementation of directional programs is very important. So whenever it's feasible, we are going to strive at uh, providing directional programs. It is not always feasible, but we're going to try to do it. And uh, next, I'm going to turn it over to Jay uh, Gerard Reyes, who's going, to, who's going to explain in more detail uh, the four conceptual options that we have developed for the project. Next slide, please. All right. Developing options along East 14th Street in Ashland in consideration of community feedback and best practices yielded four options. To frame the available space to provide multimodal facilities that provide sustainable transportation options, improve safety and provide access to key destinations, this segment of East 14th Street from Plaza Drive to 162nd Avenue is rather constrained. Today, there are wide sidewalks with mature trees lining East 14th Street. There is parking available in the shoulder for directions of the street, two lanes of traffic in each direction, and a landscape median also with mature trees. The current parking lane and lane widths are already narrow, and this is looking north towards San Leandro's cross section. Next slide, please. Option A, again looking north in the direction of San Leandro, maintains the existing tree line sidewalks and median. To provide a low stress separated bicycle facility, parking is removed completely. No changes are proposed for the narrow existing lanes. Next slide, please. Option B maintains the parking on one side of the street. In order to do so and not touch the mature tree line sidewalk, the landscape median is removed. A wider cycle track and vertical separation, which can provide opportunities for the replacement landscaping, is reflected in this cross section. No changes to the languages are made. Next slide, please. Option C is closer to what has been recently constructed south of 162nd Avenue. Parking is maintained on both sides. Similar to option B, the existing mature tree line sidewalks are maintained, but the median is also removed. To gain parking back, two lanes are narrowed from 11 feet to 10 feet, which could slow vehicles down. On one side of the street, it would only be separated by a painted buffer as opposed to a vertical hardscape concrete feature and would be immediately adjacent to parking. Next slide, please. And finally, option D widens the street for bicycles by using the existing tree line sidewalk and converting it into a bicycle path. The sidewalk is narrowed to only six feet on both sides of the street, but parking, lane widths, and the median are maintained as is. Next slide, please. Visualizing the impacts to parking along East 14th Street, you can directly compare all four options together as shown here. As expected, option A loses the most parking, all of it. Options B and C, while maintaining parking, still lose a significant amount of parking due to the driveways and the need to provide turning movements at the intersections. Option D still loses some parking, but maintains around 85 to 90% of the parking. Next slide, please. Comparing user experiences across the options for some key areas discussed today are reflected in this table. Green represents optimal user experiences, orange is fair user experiences, and red is poor user experiences. 
As discussed previously, the adjacent parking or on-property parking is expected to handle any parking removal. For multimodal and safe facilities, options B and C reflect the optimal experiences. Option D removes the ability for placemaking along the sidewalk due to the elimination of the wide sidewalk for that cross-section. Construction impacts for options B and C would be similar to what was experienced recently with the construction of the project south of 162nd Avenue, with option D having a greater impact of during construction, the construction being closer to the front door of any business located on East 14th Street. Next slide, please. In terms of project development of a multimodal, safe and sustainable facility, in this table, green represents the least challenging to develop, orange is somewhat challenging, and red is being the most difficult to develop from a project development perspective once an option is selected. For some of the key areas of project development, option A is the least challenging and the lowest cost of the four. Options B and C are similar to each other, but further investigation is needed relative to CEQA that could extend the development life of the project greater than option A, and both are more expensive due to the redone median and opportunities for hardscape and landscape. And finally, option D, due to the effort to redo the sidewalk, develop a cycle track, whether that be a street level or sidewalk level cycle track, and the likely impact to utilities requires a longer time frame and further environmental investigation relative to CEQA, would also be the most expensive of the four options. Next slide, please. With that, we look forward to hearing your thoughts over the four options. I know we've gone over quite a bit. And our and how Alameda CTC should move the project forward in project development in consideration of the four options presented. Thank you. All right, thank you very much, Jay. Um, move on to council member questions. Um, do you have questions for Jay, Vice Chair Dean? What seems to be the um, option that most of the Ashland residents prefer? Is there one? Well, we have, uh, when we did our public outreach, they, um, people who responded to our surveys uh, have a preference for separation of bicycle facilities by like basically class four bicycle facilities from vehicular uh, traffic, either by a base median or by any other car separation. That's what they prefer. Yeah, it just, I think they have to turn this off for mine to work. Yes, that's what okay. yeah, this needs to be turned off. Yeah, you're fine. It's on them. Yeah, I'm cool. Okay. Um, and which of those alternatives have that? Um, options A, B, and C actually all have that. All right. Um, thank you, Member Free. Uh, I just had a question about your uh, surveys and the timing of it, and I was wondering if you noted any impact because of due. COVID, you, you said the, the surveys were taken 2021, 
and that was right in the middle of COVID. I'm just wondering how that might have affected, uh, first of all, your turnout for your uh, public forums, and uh, just just wondering if that also possibly affected your survey with all the parking situation, that people were either driving more or driving less, and you know, seeing if that had any impact or uh, if you noted any that in the survey, or if there's also the possibility, since we're now out of COVID, and reaching sort of a finalization of the plans, um, as to whether you might want to do a follow-up survey of the same same people, same community, to find out if there's maybe changes those dynamics. Yeah, um, Alameda County Public Works Agency also conducted a parking survey before the pandemic, right. and our results, if I remember correctly, were very uh, were consistent with um, the the uh, especially the occupancy rates. So that's what we uh, we were concerned as well. For the because of the pandemic, so um, the effects of the pandemic, but uh, they're, uh, they're consistent with the previous survey that Alameda County took. Right. Um, and is there any wiggle room between all these different options? Maybe for certain aspects of it, have a combination like a hybridized form of uh, like B and C, depending on the, <clears throat> the um, you know, block by block. Um, whether there's a preference for either more parking or less parking on a certain part of that, because all of it seems to be, all the options are designed from 162nd down or north to the other intersection, whatever. It's all the same. However, I'm just wondering if there is some variety within those as you're going to block the block as to the number of off-street parking is still available, to where it wouldn't just be, just be, you know, Eliminate all the parking, let's say on one that whole stretch, or if there's some options for having certain parts of it, like a hybridized version. That certainly is some of the contextualized feedback that we're looking for. Yeah. If there's a preference to maintain parking where it makes sense, or if there's a willingness to remove parking in favor of placing those uh, facilities, those separated bicycle facilities yeah. that make users feel more safe. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Good, Michael. Well, one other thing, just my own preference, I'd like to see as many, regardless of which thing is suggested, as many mature trees kept retained. And that should be the that should be the common denominator for the entire project. You know, and then also for the next part of it, primary uh, reason would be to really work for the biped uh, community and try to get away from you know a reliance on parts. Thank you. That's my own personal question. All right, thank you. Member Cizova. Uh I have no questions uh, at this moment. Thank you All so right. much. Thank you. All right. Um so why why is MTC doing this and not public works? Like what what is you say you have a close you know, kind of, you're working with them. So why MTC responsible for this and not public works? Um, just for a quick clarification, we're Alameda CPC and not the Metropolitan Transportation Commission. It's a completely separate organization. Um, we, Alameda CTC is responsible to implement the East Bay Greenway from Lake Merritt Park to South Hayward Park. Um, as part of our efforts related to the East 14 project, we merged both in favor of delivering a on-street facility that addresses our high injury and uh, our high injury bicycle pedestrian network. 
So we're taking the lead for at least the project development for up to environmental for this. Thank you. Um, so I um, skipped over member Weidler. <laughs> um, so I'll come, I'll, okay, I'll come back to you. So when I first uh, voted on the East Bay Greenway, I think it was in 2008, does that sound right? Like the very, very first one that talked about an East Bay Greenway, I think it was in 2008, it was the first election that I voted in. And that was what all 100% about a separated bikeway to connect BART and bus stations to, to each other without any interference when it comes to vehicles. I mean, I'm wondering um, what's happened with the railroad negotiations. Why have they solved? What, what's going on with them as far as the separated one? Because this is, you know, since this new plan is very much different than a, a separated trail like the Ohlone Greenway or others that we see around. So when did that change happen? Why did that change happen? So discussions with the railroad, obviously, um, dealing with Union Pacific is not a very easy, straightforward matter. Um, we have done several um, appraisals of the entire facility and trying to work with and negotiate with Union Pacific over the cost of that is extremely high. Um, and it would be rather timely to try to get a project that, that would address that injury network um, for bikes and pegs um, done rather quickly to make sure we provide those safe facilities in a more uh, near-term time frame. All right, so that is that 10-year sort of thing. I mean, is that grounded in anything? Or is that just don't talk about the, um, the fact that, you know, um, Union Pacific is not coming to the table or negotiations aren't working out? Like, is that, is that 10 year actually a legit, um, is that just kicking the can down the road or is that, is that an actually time frame? Tess, would you like to? Yeah, I'm just going to jump in. Thank you, council member. And yes, the East Bay Greenway is a project that is really important to the commission. And um, it was in 2014 that it was included um, as one of the three major trails in the transportation expenditure plan that voters voted on. Uh, prior to that, Alameda CTC had worked on a segment of the East Bay Greenway project uh, that urban ecology had uh, a nonprofit organization had worked with a lot of communities to actually develop the concept of the East Bay Greenway. And you're right, it, the concept was to do something similar to the Ohlone Greenway up in the northern part of Alameda County. Um, we still have on our commission approved implementation for the East Bay Greenway project, the longer term vision. Um, what the commission recognized, uh, given the work that we're doing with Union Pacific Railroad, given the fact that um, we need to put safety improvements out on this corridor, people are getting injured and killed along this corridor. And so we want to make sure that we can do an, uh, an initial phase and work with Union Pacific Railroad on a longer phase. And so it's not that that project has completely dropped off. Our planning, it's just it, I can tell you working with the with the railroads, it takes several years and to go through all of the negotiations with them, the cost is very high. Jay mentioned that we did do some appraisals. So not only the cost of purchasing the land, the cleanup of the land, um, 
and just the time for negotiation, doing design and construction, that's where you start to get into the 10-year timeframe. So it's not just pulled out of a hat. It really is looking at what time would be needed for developing all of those things. We are working with Union Pacific Railroad on other projects uh, throughout Alameda County right now. And we're focusing our energy on implementing safety improvements on this corridor so that we don't have any more injuries and deaths on the corridor. All right, so uh, thank you very much. That's my questions. Those are my questions. Member Wider. Thank you. Um, one of my questions is kind of just what the next steps are because I read this, but it made more sense after you explained it. So I'm thinking, I need to study this a little bit more to have to get a really more intelligent view of what all the changes would mean. Um, so maybe that's just more of a comment that if we knew what the next steps were as far as um, you know timing goes. But then more specifically, I think safety is important. Everybody said there was reckless driving on the street, so that didn't seem to be questioned at all. Um, <clears throat> and then my other kind of concerns is where is the off-street parking? Um, it doesn't really show on here. I assume some businesses have their own lots, and maybe there's some open lots that serve many businesses. Because I thought that I read in some of this that the business uh, the businesses said that if you took more off-street parking or remove some of the on-street parking that they thought it would negatively impact their business. So I think you kind of have to, you know, take their concerns, um, you know, kind of seriously because what's the good of having businesses on the street that nobody feels like they can get into anyway and then the businesses, um, you know, can't retain their um, clientele. But, um, so I guess that's just one of my concerns is where is the off-street parking and are they really going to lose business? And the other thing is kind of, I, I, I saw that it said, um, say that um, the on-street parking is only 50% used to capacity, but I'm just wondering why. Is it because it's too hard to get in and out of parking spaces with the traffic going so fast or there are meter you know, areas on there so people really can't conveniently park? So those are just kind of the the questions regarding the parking and how the businesses would be affected. But basically, I think, you know, safe, safety is a big consideration. And whatever addresses the safety issues, I think we kind of have to do that first priority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, we found that um, a lot of the businesses, uh, about seven, more than 70%, uh, they, uh, the parking that exists is in the off-street lots, like a lot of um, businesses have their own parking. And that's that's one of the reasons why the uh, occupancy rate is low on the streets. Because when we gave the information about the street parking, is is very low because um, uh, the businesses, and that's on average, on average, I have to say, so throughout the day. But some most of the businesses there have parking in their premises, private parking in their own properties. And that is the reason why the street parking, which is only 13% um, of the existing parking, is um, has a low occupancy so, on average. Sure. All right, thank you. Um, yeah, so just looking at it, I mean, uh, Member Dean asks, um, you know, and there was a response that 
said, you know, all of them have separated bike lanes, but only a few really do have the uh, concrete barrier, right? So, I mean, for what it's worth, I think option C, you know, for the community is going to be most likely, it looks like it um, kind of accomplishes everything, keeps parking. Um, Option C is the option that's probably closest to what has been constructed throughout the county as they read up their roads. Okay. Yeah. Um, it is too bad that the median gets lost, but you know, I think that it preserves those mature ones on the side. And then also does get at least the southbound side. I mean, I'm just wondering, is there anything that we could do as far as separation of bikes that's not, you know, a full-on concrete barrier, but something in the middle um, that keeps cars where they're supposed to be. And you're referring to option C. Yeah, so that option C, if it's maybe like northbound or southbound, maybe um, the one on the left. Mm -hmm. So as far as any um, sort of infrastructure that keeps cars and bikes separated other than paint, is there any? That's one of those items we'd have to further refine in working with the county, since they do are since they would be the ones maintaining the roads. So any options that would be available, we coordinate with them. Okay. Um, all right. So I'll go to uh, public comment. If you want to give a public comment on this item, we are on a, uh, agenda item number two, the East Bay Greenway. If you're online, you can go ahead and raise your electronic hand. If you are in person, you can go ahead and approach the podium. I will give a second for anyone to. We're having a problem with Zoom right now. So we need in-person in person comments, but online, we're, uh, we're working on it right now. All right. Might, might take a little bit of a break. All right. Mm -hmm. All right, for sure. All right, is there any uh, public comment inside the, inside the room? All right, not seeing any, I'll go ahead and uh, close public comment and then we're going to have a brief recess since we're having a little bit of technical difficulties. Then we'll come back to deliberation if there's anything left. So I think we're going to take a quick recess. Thank
Hey, Alik, are you able to share your screen for the housing element because Liz is unable to do so? Yeah, give me a second. Uh, there I am. <laughs> Good evening, council members. Uh, I'm Liz McElligott from the uh, County Planning Department, and I'm here to talk to you again about the, the housing element and the progress we're, we're making on um, getting it uh, finished as quickly as possible. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. I hope you can all see that. Yes. So I was last here talking to your council uh, in the fall, and um, I, I gave you a, an update on all of our uh, general plan projects, uh, but uh, including the, the housing element. So just uh, as a, a quick um, update or a quick overview, uh, the housing element is an opportunity to shape how unincorporated communities grow over the next eight years. 
State law requires each local jurisdiction to revise its housing element every eight years. Uh, so that's why we're doing it now. Um, all cities and counties within a region must update their housing elements on the same eight year cycle. And I'm sure you've been hearing in the news about how every city and county in the Bay Area is, is working on theirs now. Um, the, the deadline for completing the, the draft element was January of 2023. Um, so obviously we did miss the de deadline, but we are working uh, as diligently as possible to get the draft done as quickly as possible so we can send it to the state for their review. We expect to distribute the draft for a 30-day public review period uh, in late March and um, submittal of the draft element to state HCD in, in late April of 2023. And that 30-day pu uh, public review period is required by state law. So with what will happen is we will send the, after the public review period, um, and we, we receive input from you and, and um, members of the public and, and all of our um, advisory bodies, um, we'll send it to the, uh, the state uh, uh, Department of Housing and Community Development. They have, uh, by state law, 90 days to review it. They will send us comments, and then we will address their comments. And if we have to resubmit it to them again for another review period, they the second time they have 60 days, and that process will repeat until they accept our element. Um, we hope to avoid multiple review periods by working closely with our state reviewer and addressing issues as they come up. Um, we've been in contact with our reviewer and, and we're confident that we, we can work together with them to um, get our uh, element done as quickly as possible. So the required components of the housing element are uh, that we need to do an assessment of housing need, and that includes existing uh, need, which means uh, the, the, the current deficit of, of housing units that we have. Um, the projected need, which is uh, where the, the regional housing needs allocation comes in, uh, and I'll talk about that a little more in a, in a bit and also populations with special needs. Um, and the state identifies these, um, their groups such as uh, seniors, uh, people with disabilities, female head of, head of households um, and, and others uh, to make sure that everybody in the community uh, is able to, to find housing that suits their needs. Uh, we have to include policies and programs uh, to fulfill the identified need and, and to address any issues that come up in the process of preparing the housing element. We need a site inventory and analysis, which um, uh, identifies properties where uh, that, that have capacity to build housing uh, to help us fulfill the, the housing need. Uh, we have to identify governmental and non-governmental constraints, uh, and, and these are barriers that, that might inhibit the, the development of housing. Uh, we have to uh, evaluate 
the existing housing element policies and programs that are in the the previous housing element to see which ones are worth carrying over into the new element and which ones um, didn't work well for for whatever reason and, and aren't worth um, continuing. Uh, we also have to include an affirmatively furthering fair housing assessment and also uh, uh, community engagement. So these are just a few examples of some of the policies and programs we're looking at. Um, they include uh, targeting additional community resources in lower resource areas planned for additional housing. Uh, so recognizing that, that some of the areas where there is capacity for, for more housing um, there are already um, deficiencies in services and infrastructure. So we want to look at how we can um, uh, target more resources in these areas so they're better able to accommodate additional housing. Uh, we're going to be looking at um, how to address uh, potential displacement within the unincorporated communities. Um, with new housing coming into a community, there's always a risk of, of displacing the existing residents. So we want to make sure to have policies and programs to address that. We are looking at doing some rezoning of sites to meet our, our arena numbers. Um, and there are also some changes to zoning that, that we need to make to um, uh, comply with state law. Um, especially in, in terms of being able to reuse sites that were in previous housing elements. Um, one thing that, that we're looking at is um, our, the, the BART stations, uh, Casper Valley and Bayfair BART stations uh, will be important sites for us on our sites inventory. So um, we will include policies and programs um, regarding working with BART to facilitate the development of housing on those sites. And also uh, another uh, example is uh, creating universal design guidelines. So I'm sure you've seen this before, but um, just to reiterate, our uh, arena for this cycle is considerably higher than it was last time. We're uh, uh, obligated to find housing or how find capacity for uh, an additional 4,711 units, which is 166% uh, uh, higher than our, our last arena. So we've been taking a, a very careful look at where this housing might go. Uh, as you'll notice, the, the arena is uh, split up into different uh, income categories. So not only do we have to uh, fulfill the, the total number of units, but we also have to provide uh, uh, the uh, designated number of units for each um, income category. And just to give you an idea of what that means, this table shows um, the uh, percentage of median income for each income category, and then also um, what that means in terms of dollars for our area. And for example, you can see that um, 
the annual income, um, an annual income for a, a three-person household of $98,650 is considered a low-income household. So when we talk about low-income housing, um, we're, we're talking about people who have uh, jobs where they, you know, they work full time and they they make a decent income, but given the the um, the cost of living in in the Bay Area, uh, it it doesn't go very far. So they would fall into the low income category. For the site's inventory. Uh, state law requires each city and county to demonstrate that zoning and general plan designations allow enough housing development capacity to accommodate RENA. Uh, inventory sites have been identified in every unincorporated community. So we're, we're looking at um, every, every parcel we can find um, in every community. Um, we're not looking to designate a certain number of units for each community um, because to, to some extent the the available parcels are are where they are we we don't want to go in and um, you know tear down housing just to put uh, additional units in a, a community so um, so they are dispersed throughout the uh, urban unincorporated area but um, they're not necessarily um, distributed by you know, area of each community or population or, or anything like that. Uh, property owners will decide whether or not to develop their properties. Uh, so they're, the county isn't going to come in and, and require them to develop. It, it's up to them whether they want to do it or not. We hope that uh, the housing element will provide incentives for them um, to want to develop housing uh, because of the need, but no one's going to force them to do it. Um, uh, applications for housing developments still need to go through approval processes. This, it, it, there's no um, guarantee that a, a particular development will be uh, approved. They still need to meet um, the uh, county requirements um, for housing. And uh, also when we're assigning a particular property to a certain income level, generally speaking, uh, state uh, HCD looks at density as a proxy for income level. So generally spe speaking, um, the, the development that uh, would happen at uh, 30 units per acre or more would be considered um, uh, low-income housing in terms of uh, the category it would fit in um, in and the the uh, site's inventory. But we, I think, we all know that there's no guarantee that just because something is a, a high-density development, it will be developed at the the uh, as low-income housing. So the methodology we used for identifying the sites um, is we, we started by, and, and this is a methodology that's recommended by uh, state HCD. And we also received guidance from our, our consultant who's helping with this process. 
Uh, we started by identifying uh, projects in the development pipeline. We are able to count um, parcels or, or properties where developments have been approved um, and also uh, where an application has been um, submitted even though it, it hasn't been approved yet. Then we identified vacant parcels, both public and private, privately owned. Um, and we looked at assessors data, uh, satellite imagery, and, and just uh, local knowledge of, of parcels. Um, we also identified uh, as a next step underutilized parcels. And these are defined by state HCD as properties where the land value is higher than the uh, existing improvements, the buildings or parking lots or, or whatever. And these are considered to be sites where uh, redevelopment might be likely uh, or, or more likely than, than other properties that have been, uh, have more substantial uh, buildings on them. So we are now in the process of identifying vacant and, and underutilized sites that could be rezoned to accommodate more units to help meet the RENA. And uh, as part of this process, we are taking into consideration potential environmental hazards in sensitive areas. So things like steep slopes and creeks and um, high wildfire uh, hazard areas. Some of the key sites we're looking at uh, uh, to uh, accommodate uh, much of the, the, the units that we need to uh, provide for in the arena uh, in the Eden area are, um, as I mentioned, the Bayfair BART parking lot. Um, we're looking at 177 Llewellyn, which is where Crunch Fitness is and, and there's also a few other parcels around uh, that property where the, the property owners have expressed some interest in, in potentially uh, redeveloping their, their property. And uh, we're also looking at the San Lorenzo village area. And again, we're, we're still, the, uh, the site's inventory is still very much in a draft form. So we don't have, we haven't nailed down uh, exactly how many units we think these properties will uh, accommodate. We're still working on that, but, but these do look like promising sites um, to develop. So, and I know this is very hard to read um, and we will be providing uh, better maps um, in, in the very new, near future uh, on, on our website. Um, but here you can see for Ashland, um, we're looking at the, um, the surface parking lot um, at the uh, Bayfair BART station. We have uh, the Crunch Fitness and uh, adjacent parcels on Llewellyn. Um, for Cherryland, um, we don't really have any uh, large sites. Um, we have many small parcels scattered throughout the community. Um, these are primarily vacant residential sites. Um, you can see we, we do have um, 
the uh, the county owned parcel on um, uh, Mission and uh, Hampton. And in San Lorenzo, um, we're looking at potentially um, providing uh, capacity for more housing in the um, the downtown San Lorenzo area. Uh, these orange parcels are, as you can see, they're a uh, pipeline project. This is uh, Village Green development here. So additional work we need to do on for other sections of uh, the housing element, our, um, our consultant has provided us with a draft of the housing constraints section and we're in the process of reviewing that. And that section is to uh, analyze and recommend solutions to existing and future governmental and non-governmental barriers. Um, so we will combine the, the um, what the consultant has provided and, and uh, include our, our own uh, department knowledge of, of uh, barriers that, that we uh, have encountered in, in terms of encouraging housing development. And um, we are, uh, meaning county staff are also uh, finishing up uh, an analysis of the, the previous housing elements policies and programs. And we hope to have that wrapped up very soon. For uh, the affirmatively furthering fair housing analysis, um, the, the focus of this section is to analyze the history of fair housing in the unincorporated area and uh, to uh, uh, ensure that throughout the housing element, we have um, incorporated the uh, uh, policies and, and actions to uh, in, ensure that um, we can uh, change the, um, the, the trend uh, that has been happening historically in the unincorporated area. Uh, so we've uh, accessed records at the uh, Hayward Area Historical Society uh, and got a fair amount of information there. Uh, we've opened a venue for residents to share their housing stories, and I have the link here, and uh, you can also uh, find the link on our uh, county website. Um, we've targeted outreach to stakeholders representing populations with special housing needs, and I, I listed uh, several of those earlier. Um, and these are um, both um, one-on-one -on -one and small group uh, interviews to make sure that um, people representing these uh, populations have a, an opportunity to um, uh, have input into the, the housing element. And we're also um, working with our consultants to develop draft policies um, to reflect uh, the findings of the, uh, the assessment. I know this is a lot of words, but this is our uh, uh, an outline of the community engagement process that we've done so far. 
Um, we did one round of meetings with our max and uh, planning commission back in from July to August. Uh, in the fall through January, we hosted online office hours where uh, a staff member was uh, available on Zoom and anyone could just drop in and ask questions or, or um, get uh, additional information. Um, this was not uh, well attended, uh, so we won't be continuing that, but it, it was something that, um, that we thought we'd try. Uh, again, as I mentioned, we had the small group interviews with stakeholders. Um, we've also been contacting uh, key property owners uh, for uh, uh, to determine their in interest in being included in our inventory, um, in including some of the, the sites that we just mentioned. Um, and we're continuing to do that. Uh, we met with the environmental justice bucket of the Ashland Cherryland Healthy Communities Collaborative. Uh, we have an online survey posted uh, on our website that uh, we, we welcome all of you to uh, go online and take it. Uh, that's going to be uh, open for a, a while yet, probably at least through March. Um, as I mentioned, we have the Share Your Housing Stories uh, template also on the website, so you can click on that and and we'd love to hear you know, how you came to live in the unincorporated area, what housing issues you faced um, while you've been living here or, or what, um, what are, what's your story in, in terms of having difficulty finding housing. Um, where I am doing the uh, a next round of um, meetings with the MAX uh, and the, the Planning Commission. Um, we'll be finishing this up by the end of the month. And uh, as I mentioned, in late March, uh, early April, we're beginning the um, public review period. And we'll be having uh, community workshops and another round of meetings with um, all of our uh, decision-making bodies. So to finish out uh, this month, this, this round of meetings, we are going to the Planning Commission on the 21st, Board Unincorporated Services Committee on the 22nd, and the Castro Valley MAC on the 27th. So you're all welcome to attend those meetings as well. So we have a, a special email set up. Um, uh, we're happy to to receive questions and comments through that email. We, our staff is monitoring it. Um, we have a, a housing element website that has links to uh, all these uh, other uh, ways of uh, contacting us. And you can also sign up for email notices um, on, on that website. And th there's also um, uh, information, just basic information about um, what a housing element is and, and uh, things like that. So we, we hope that, that uh, the community finds that informative. And as I said, there's a link to our housing element survey and also the share your stories um, template. So that is my presentation. I'd be happy to answer your questions. 
and take right, the call. Thank you, Liz. Uh, great uh, work on the draft. Any questions from uh, Member Dean? Yes. Um, when you speak about regional housing, what does that mean uh, by regional? That's the nine Bay Area counties. Okay, so properties that we build here count for the whole region. Uh, these numbers that I'm looking at is not the unincorporated Alameda County. It's the whole region. It no, says it, each city and county, the 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 states, the state provides um, uh, a number of housing units that the region needs to pro to provide for, and ABAG goes through a, a process of allocating uh, a, a smaller number uh, of of the regional number to each city and county. So the the four thousand seven hundred eleven units are are what we're the the county Alameda County is is obligated to provide. So Alameda County, all of Alameda County, including cities. Or no, just the unincorporated area. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, each city and county gets their own. Um, so so each jurisdiction within the, the region has to provide units. And with the idea that if all of those are added up together, that's that will, will fulfill the regional need. But but the numbers I gave are just for the unincorporated county. Right. So that, the reason I'm asking that is because we're throwing these numbers into this regional pot. And then I'm wondering, are the people that get housed in these houses, are they going to be coming from the same or close to zip codes or might we have people coming from somewhere else in the nine Bay area counties living in the houses that we're building here in the unincorporated area well there's no restriction on who can live in the houses so it, it's pretty much like it is right now where if you know if, if a multi-housing uh, multi-family housing development is built anybody can move there, um, but I mean, we we hope that the housing that's built locally will um, help house people in our you know our local communities who need the housing. But um, it it it's for the most part you know just free market like like it is now where um, anybody can. Um, the time is now 7.31, and the library will be closing in 29 minutes. Library computers will shut off five minutes prior to closing. So we start wrapping up whatever it is you're working on. The library will be open again tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thank you. We're good. We're good. <laughs> so anybody can apply to live in the, the housing. So most of this housing is um, owned housing or it's rental housing? Or is it a mix? And if it's a mix, what proportion? It, it can be a mix or it, it will be a mix. Um, it's not any specific proportion. Um, generally speaking, um, owner-occupied housing would be more likely to be moderate or above moderate in, in terms of income level. Um, but it, it's, it's really up to the developer what they want to build on their parcel. 
Because okay. it just concerns me that you know we'll build all this housing for renters, but it won't go to people in our communities. That just seems not that fabulous to me. Um, but I do like the idea of the art housing. Um, my question, next question is about malls. Are we considering um, all these malls that are um, not really doing much business anymore? Um, yes, we did look at um, commercial properties the where you know the they the buildings have been empty for a while or um it, it seems like there could be room for more um development on a site we there are several parcels where there's a relatively small commercial building surrounded by a parking lot um and we identified those as being parcels that that could be developed you know with additional um uh, residential units. Thank you. Excellent. All right, number three. Good evening, Liz. Thank you very much for your presentation. I have one question about uh, the three areas that you were looking at. You've identified uh, three different spots, Baker and the uh, Llewellyn properties, and uh, what was the other one on uh, in San Francisco? Um, and then you also mentioned the uh, Maddox property on Mission Boulevard in Hampton Road, that particular parcel is. Uh, are they seen as uh, sites of interest or what, what kind of, uh, is the county restricted in, in terms of how they can look to um, try to procure those or to, you know, you know put forward some uh, way that they can be developed a little more rapidly or to, you know, to uh, designate them in some way. I mean, I don't know what, what kind of restrictions you have, for instance, on uh, accessing the 238 properties, like uh, parcel 8 and 9 that are already kind of out there and nothing's done with those yet, but I don't know if those have been decided on or, you know, what, is, what are the uh, restrictions that you have? You know, how are you restricted? Not you personally, but the, the county in terms of meeting these uh, criteria. Um, well, the the county wouldn't actually buy the parcels. Um, well, in the case of um, well, maybe even just Mission and Hampton, they already own it. Whatever you know. Um, but what? I don't know if that's really a question. <laughs> I mean, it's the, the, uh, yeah, I guess the, the what, what, what the county is trying to do is is provide incentives for for developers to want to develop the property, and and the the in, in terms of the, the two thirty eight parcels, some of those are included. I didn't mention those because they're um, in Castor Valley, but they are included on the site's inventory. At least some of them. Yeah, so in terms of incentives to get somebody to actually desire to do it, um, from my impression, is that the incentive is just to provide more housing and um, um, not a whole lot of developers are going to want to try to provide stuff that's not going to be a burden for them. You know? So that's that's the issue that I'm coming up with. And when I look at all the uh, properties that have been developed all the way down the corridor of Mission Boulevard, they're pretty much market rate, market rate, market rate. So, you know, um, how does Sayward, for instance, how are they going to benefit uh, from 
possibly helping the county meet those 4,711 you know, homes that have to be provided for people that can't afford to live on Mission Boulevard. But it's just a question to get. Yeah, and, and that is that is an issue. Um, as a, a lot of times, it's difficult to get low-income housing built without some sort of subsidies. Um, so that that is something we're struggling with. Um, we can look at, for example, streamlining um, the the permitting process uh, to try to to reduce the time involved. Um, we can um, possibly look at like, reducing fees, um, that kind of thing. Um, and, and for for some of these parcels, we will be looking at um, upzoning them to allow more units on a property, um, which would help fulfill the arena and also might be seen as a, a more of an incentive for a developer um, if they if the uh, their uh, development proposal would pencil out a, a little better if they could build more units. So we're uh, looking at a, a variety of ways. Yeah, it just it feels like it's a state uh, unfunded mandate. You have to do it, and it's up to you how you do it. But too bad, you know. And so there's there must be some way that. We as a community can do some pushback for the state to say, okay, give us, you know, an extra number of dollars to have, uh, you know, meetings and, you know, get the word out. And that's that's incentive to the community to see that they have some say in it rather than just picking up and moving, you know, because that's what really happens. All right, uh, Council Member Sizova. Uh, no questions or comments. Thank you. All right, thank you. Member Weiler. Yes, I'm wondering, there's a lot of unpermitted ADUs and JADUs. We can see an advertise, but um, I don't think that they have permits because they've been there a long time. Is there any effort to get those kinds of things permitted so you can count those as ADUs and JADUs and units, I guess, for a copy? Yeah, actually, state law. Um, uh, uh, outlines a process for uh, us to um, to legalize those units so they're you know safe and sound housing but but through that process we we would be able to count them toward the arena and um, and we can also count new ADUs when when people want to build an ADU um, we are actually able to count um, uh, uh, an average of the the number of units that have been built over the last three years, uh, we're able to count that in our, our arena. Uh, and the the number of ADUs uh, that have been built has gone up considerably. So um, so that's um, that that's a nice addition to the arena. Um, so, you know, we, we can't say, well, everyone's going to build an ADU, so, you know, we're all done, but we do, we are able to um, count some ADU development toward fulfilling the arena. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of them out there that haven't been permitted because we see them all the time being advertised, but 
And yeah. my next question and concern is, um, you're counting 143 units for the um, San Lorenzo for the Village Green Apartments, right? But then you're looking in that same area to put more housing? Yes. Well, that's interesting because the selling point for the Village Green Apartments by CDA was that would stimulate retail and commercial use for the San Lorenzo downtown area. But it sounds like CDA is planning it for one thing and you're planning or hoping to plan it for something else. Well, we're, we're all in the same department. So we, we are communicating with each other. And what we're looking for is a mix of both residential and commercial. So it, it won't be all commercial or all residential, but we're, we're hoping to kind of find a, a, a balance. Um, you bring more uh, people into the area to help, the, help build up the uh, demand for the commercial. Three quarters of that downtown area is now apartments anyway. I mean, it's going to be when the Village Green is finished. I don't see, there's not much left for um, a San Lorenzo downtown area with retail and commercial, I don't think. Thank you, Member Weidler. Um, so I kind of want to go back to, you know, density as a proxy for income. That's what, did I get that right? When you look at density as a proxy, or the state looks at a density for proxy as it for income. I mean, doesn't that say something about the quality of the our dense housing? I mean, you would think, I mean, not just in the county, but the statewide. I don't, that just seems, not really equitable if we're kind of recognizing that our dense housing is a proxy for income. So I just, I, I, I learned that today. So um, that's something new I learned. Um, so you said you analyze the, uh, the resources around these dense neighborhoods. What sorts of resources were you looking at if the community had or didn't have? Uh, community services. Um... Uh, access to um, things people need for everyday life, uh, you know, just um, uh, shopping areas, um, hopefully the schools, libraries, um, a lot of the things that we're looking at in terms of the, uh, the EJ element which I, I know some of you have been involved with as well, it's environmental justice element, where we're, we're trying to make sure that the, um, the, the communities we're focusing on in that project or that, that document have um, access to the same kind of, of resources that, um, that all, all communities should have. Um, uh, also considering uh, infrastructure, um, adequate streets and roads and sidewalks and, and uh, all of that. So those are all things that we'll be um, trying to include. Would parks be that resource as well? Yeah, park, parks would count as well. Would you analyze it through like a Quimby Act or is that something that the county would determine as far as if the neighborhood is lacking? 
I, I think we'd have to go through the process of determining what's needed in, in the various communities. So that would be a county um, calculation on whether or not a community is at a deficit of either schools or shopping areas or parks? Well, we would have to work with, since a lot of those services are provided by special districts, we would have to work with the, the special districts as well. All right, I look forward to the, uh, the draft um, or the, the public process of the draft. Um, you said zoning changes would be on the table. Would those be like ministerial changes or would those kind of come before planning commissions and the whole public process? Those will have to be the, the whole public process. So right, we'll, we'll be, be coming to your council and planning commission and uh, ultimately to the board of supervisors. Cool, thank you. Um, did you find out if Bayfair BART, the station itself, is that in the county or is the station in San Leandro? I believe the station itself is in San Leandro, but but the the surface parking lot on the like southwest side of the station, um, across the tracks from the the mall, is uh, in the unincorporated area. So that's that's the area we would be looking at. Okay, I'll ask probably that again when we when we see this again because every map that I find it looks like it's in. The unincorporated area. So maybe just kind of just a quick, more deeper dive into um, where that where the station's parcel actually exists. I know it's managed by BART anyway, but I'm just curious. All right, so we've all gotten um, emails from uh, a concerned um, member, uh, community member uh, from Castro Valley. Uh, really, no surprise there. Um, talking about the much um, talked about, I guess, in the, you know, journalist sense and on social media, the builder's remedy that is in effect or, or some think is in effect when you don't get your housing element in on time. Um, do you have any sort of comments on, you know, what the builder's remedy, quote unquote, is and how it will affect the county? Is it in effect now? Um, and if, for those of you who don't know, builder's remedy is essentially state law provision that says if your project has a certain amount of affordable housing, you can essentially build whatever, regardless of the um, local uh, zoning that exists. So do you, do you have any idea whether we're subject to it or um, anything along those lines? My understanding is that um, because we are late with our housing element, um, we could be subject to the builder's remedy um, if uh, if there was a developer that had a piece of property and, and plans to develop it uh, ready to go and, and to submit to the county um, for review. Um, so far, it, it's my understanding that uh, although there is the risk um, of somebody coming in um, with a proposal, there have been very few in the state, throughout the state, that have actually been submitted. 
Um, Santa Monica has been in the news a lot. And um, I understand that just recently, um, someone submitted plans to um, Los Altos Hills for an uh, apartment development um, under the builder's remedy. So um, we are, you know, keep, keeping an eye on it. And as I said, we are trying to get our draft done as quickly as possible. So we minimize our, our risk uh, of that. All right, thank you, Liz. I would imagine that all of the ones that you have listed as far as the city would be subject to a lot of um, legal <laughs> challenges. And so if you could keep an eye on that, I'll try to keep an eye on it too. Um, sure. But, you know, I don't, I mean, I see a lot of legal challenges anyway. So let's go ahead and open public comment on this uh, item. Uh, if you're in the audience and you'd like to make a public comment, um, go ahead and approach the podium. All right. Excellent. And if you're online, go ahead and raise your hand now to we'll start with in person and then we'll go ahead to online. Um, oh, thank you. I would just like to uh, tone in exactly what uh, Diane was speaking about. We've spent many years trying to develop our downtown San Lorenzo and we have uh, what I think we put in 60 or 80 very low income uh, apartments and now we're putting another 140 uh, apartments across the street. So we've always wanted economic development and retail and commercial. So I'm really curious as to which parcels you're looking into. Also, I really very much like our crunch fitness and our, our, our great little grocery store next door. So it's a little frustrating that you want to smash it down and put in a whole bunch of apartments. Uh, if we were a city, I think the city council would be looking at, you know, the how a downtown functions and the, the benefits and what would be best for the downtown. Um, so anyway, and I would also request that in your, uh, you know, your roadshow, that you also make sure that you go to the San Lorenzo Village Homes Association. We still represent 6,000 homes and I'm sure there's a lot of uh, input that they would like to provide on this. Thank you so much, Liz. Thank you. All right, thank you, Randy. Uh, anyone else in the audience? All right, so let's go ahead to online. And Maris, you can speak and you have three minutes. Hello, uh, thanks. This is uh, Ann Maris. I live in Unincorporated. And um, I had a couple comments. Um, thanks for the presentation. It was great, as always. Um, I'm wondering, uh, also, it seems like this presentation should go to the Alameda County Parks Rec and Historic Commission. Because um, I noticed that it did go to the um, Ag Agricultural Advisory. And then you talked about talking to Haas, Hayward Area Historical. And uh, the Parks, Rec, and Historic uh, Committee is looking into the history of the area and creating historical districts in certain areas. And, uh, you know, the historic value is not necessarily the buildings themselves, but it's what the area means to the people who live there. And I feel like that committee, the Parks, Rec, and Historic, is really listening. In my area, 
um, which is near Foothill Boulevard and the freeway 58238. You know, people have lived, died, and been displaced due to this Caltrans 238 project. We, we worked hard over generations to save our neighborhoods. We've suffered loss after loss up to today and continue to be neglected by elected officials who refuse to listen to what we really care about. The 238 freeway project destroyed, but it also left open land that could be developed around the San Lorenzo Creek and the hills, which is wildlife habitat. It's relaxing and joyful for us to see forest creatures napping under an oak tree on a green meadow or spotted baby deer following along after their mom, learning about life, um, majestic bucks standing on a hilltop. It's important that the comfort of nature for public health is considered during these development plans. I heard you, my second thing is we heard you talking about um, ADUs. And, and I just wanna, again, say it's really important that in you know, these dense family single home neighborhoods can contribute mainly with their ADUs. So I encourage the county to continue expanding and continuing programs that help people build ADUs. I also wanna mention um, the Eden Community Land Trust. So unincorporated residents formed a community land trust and we really need county support to help build permanently create permanently affordable housing that also protects the environment. We're not on the same level as corporate low-income housing developers because we come out of the same low-income neighborhoods we're working to make better. So um, thanks, thanks for listening. Um, so again, my three points are the Parks, Rec, and Historic Committee should be brought in, um, particularly you know, before Haas, because it's a county agency, um, and, and uh, rent a credit for ADUs, and then the uh, community land trust being considered. Thanks for listening. Leo, you have three minutes to speak. Hi, good evening, can you hear me? Yeah. Hi, hello folks. Uh, my name is Julio Contreras. I was born um, and raised in the Hayward area, uh, borderline with Cherryland, um, and currently uh, working with my boys as a community organizer. Um, today, I am speaking as an individual, a resident, um, and just advocate for the unincorporated area. And so first off, I wanted to thank Liz um, and the HCD um, and uh, CDA and other departments for their work that they're doing um, as an advocate and as somebody who is uh, working directly with residents to a directly impacted folks. It helps to have these kinds of reports and for these reports to be as transparent and collect as much data as possible, especially in an unincorporated area that has such a lack of services, uh, lack of uh, support and lack of data collection because of intentional disenfranchisement and racism and oppression and injustices. So um, I wanna talk about that really quick as, and then ask questions about that history, but then also, you know, uh, also have that mindset of the future and of how uh, best to support uh, housing and, and residents of the area. And so with that, I wanna start off by asking if the previous housing element or any previous uh, such reports uh, have information on some of the historical, uh, like racism, redlining. Um, is there any information in context? I know that city of Hayward is uh, acknowledging Russell City and uh, um, 
what happened there as far as the displacement of folks, but um, I'm curious if the county um, has taken responsibility as well. Um, and if that's included in any of the previous housing elements, or if that'll fit that more so in the environmental justice um, element. But I do think it's important because of that displacement then causing more uh, folks to move into Fairview and into other unincorporated areas. Um, so in general, I am curious about uh, any of the acknowledgement of the racism, of uh, redlining, San Lorenzo's history as well, of, um, white, of the white uh, neighborhoods and, and associations that were uh, you know, uh, not allowing black and brown folks to move in. Um, I think that's a really important aspect to include. Um, if not, you know, thinking that it might not be relevant now, or, you know, obviously it is because of the history. Um, oh, I only have 20 seconds. Uh, but for the future, I just wanted to make sure that there's proper outreach and uh, support. So um, I'm going to be reaching out and I'm hoping to be in touch um, to be able to capture. And also, please, um, as much information on gentrification and on how people are being displaced now, uh, as Anne mentioned, would be really helpful. Thank you so much. Thank you. There are no more speakers. All right, thank you so much. Yeah, so great, yeah, to um, Julio's point, I think uh, the racial covenants, right, um, of, of the past as, um, you know, the kind of county, I guess, version of redlining. Um, and, you know, maybe an acknowledgement, yes, but also a plan, and I'm still stuck on the idea that we, use density as a proxy for income, right? I mean, with how, why aren't we solving that, right? Instead of just using it as a measure, why don't we actually try and improve the conditions and, um, you know, of, of our um, dense housing? But anyways, um, uh, do you want to respond to that, Liz? Uh, I, I would just say that um, the, um, Previous housing elements did not include an analysis of um, you know, the, the racial history of the area or um, uh, you know, redlining or anything like that. But that is uh, exactly the kind of thing that we're we will be including in the uh, AFFH analysis that will go into um, the the new housing element. So we 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 are in the process of of looking at all those factors and, and including those. Uh, in this element. All right, thank you. Uh, any further um, deliberation from the council? I'm gonna officially close public comment. Anything else on this? All right, thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Liz. We'll see you in a couple months. Thank you. Already, uh, great work, thank you. Um, let's go ahead and move on to agenda item number four. This is going to be the update on Sky West land use planning informational item by the city of Hayward. Thank you for being here. May I have your attention please? The time is now 8 p.m. and the library is closed. At this time, please exit the building through the front door. We'll reopen tomorrow at 10 a.m. Well, good evening. Uh, my name is Doug McNeely. I'm the manager of Hayward Executive Airport. Good to be with you tonight. I'd like to provide an overview of the project, uh, looking at the uh, public outreach, FA requirements, and also a look on the preliminary site plan. 
we have received written questions and I would like to respond to those at the end of this presentation. Uh, our city manager, Kelly McAdoo is here. I'd like to recognize Alex Murray, director of public works, as well as two of my colleagues, Pam Suburbo and Todd Stroni who are also here tonight. Next slide, please. A little bit of background, uh, the site is 126 acres uh, located within the city of Hayward on airport property. Site was previously operated by Hayward uh, Area Park and Recreation District as a golf course. Uh, they were uh, losing some money uh, in the years prior to uh, COVID and uh, uh, among other reasons, uh, not just financial, they uh, decided not to renew their lease. The project is expected to uh, take place over a period of approximately five years. Uh, new tenants of the site will need to pay fair market value and FAA requirement. Uh, next slide, please. So we had a, a consultant managed public outreach. Three workshops were held on July 27th, August uh, 10th, and August 12th of 2021. Uh, the project, uh, uh, as on, on the city website, uh, hayward-ca.gov, uh, under the airport page. And it's still possible to leave comments for that. Uh, comments, of course, were encouraged. Uh, we want to solicit as much input from the public as we can. Uh, for example, uh, during this uh, workshop period, we received a total of 721 comments, which I'm told by the consultant is quite good. Uh, 291 via the project website, 430. Uh, via the three workshops. Uh, the plan was also publicly discussed uh, with the Council Airport Committee, the Hayward Youth Commission, and City Council uh, with approval of the draft preliminary plan occurring on November 16th of uh, 2021. Uh, comments, as I say, are still being received. There'll be additional options for public comment at the Council Airport the Committee and City Council, and of course, we're presenting here to the members tonight to keep you up to speed. Next slide, please. This is a uh, aerial photo of the property owned uh, uh, by Hayward Executive Airport with the uh, golf course uh, highlighted in orange here. Next slide, please. Uh, this is uh, the original draft site concept. In general, the property is divided up into four, four areas. As you can see, uh, we're going to discuss each one of them in some detail, uh, future business development, uh, safety zones, recreational development, and future aeronautical development. I'd like to note that uh, this and the next slide are conceptual and sizes uh, that you see there are approximate only. Next slide, please. So here is a, after we received comments, this is an updated site plan, uh, incorporates suggestions, as I say, from the council committee. Uh, 30 acres uh, of park and recreational use, 50 acres for business development, a trail uh, connecting Kennedy Park to San Lorenzo Park, as well as uh, Bayside Trail connections, 11 acres for aeronautical development, approximately seven acres of buffer uh, between the aeronautic development and the San Lorenzo area, uh, the buffer ranges between 200 and 320 linear feet. Also 28 acres dedicated for 
protection of the uh, airport safety area that must remain open for Federal Aviation Administration policy. Uh, so I'll walk you through uh, each segment uh, next. Next slide, please. So the first is parks and recreational use. I want to emphasize that uh, we have received a lot of comments from the community about their interest in recreational use and that there will be a large portion of this project dedicated to recreational use. The concept shows uh, two areas for recreation uh, and you can see them, they're located here and here. Uh, they were described in the original proposal I made as pocket parks, but as we look at the size of these parks, uh, it, they're really uh, much larger than a pocket park. They could be really more accurately described as a community park. Uh, toward the eastern edge uh, would be a large area for various uses, various uses, uh, an area that provided a buffer, as I said, between aeronautical development and existing residential properties. Uh, this was expanded after we received comments by six acres by utilizing five acres from the runway safety zone and one acre of the proposed aeronautical development. The buffer between the residents, again, one emphasizes between 200 and 300 uh, feet of linear space. Uh, there's also space for a trail connecting Kennedy Park, Kennedy Park and San Lorenzo Park and two connection points to the Bayside Trail. Uh, developers of the new business park will set aside nine acres for open space and parks. Therefore, the effective amount of open space for the entire site will increase from 30 to 39 acres. Uh, specific recreational uses to be incorporated, uh, which we received from the public include the dog park, an art installation, uh, and uh, an airport viewing area. So we are uh, incorporating many of the comments that we received. Next slide, please. As it is airport property, we are going to incorporate some future aeronautical use in response to public comment. The future aeronautical development area was reduced from 14 acres to 11 acres, the minimum area possible. It is buffered by recreational development as noted. It's important to note that this uh, hangar development will accommodate smaller general aviation aircraft, potentially including electric, electrically powered aircraft and is not intended for larger aircraft at the airport. Next, please. Depicted in the middle here are the runway uh, safety zones. Uh, as mentioned earlier, the FAA airport safety zones were reduced from 36 acres to 28. The majority of the eight acre difference was dedicated to open space with less than half of that amount uh, committed to the business park. Per FAA policy, uh, the airport is required to keep this area clear of all objects, including trees and buildings, although we can have objects that uh, are for aviation use, such as uh, runway edge lights or antennas and things of that nature. And again, this area is approximate in size. Uh, the most accurate depiction of the runway safety area is on the airport layout plan, which is located on the uh, website I mentioned earlier. Finally, uh, future business development, which is uh, over to the uh, closer to the bay uh, to the left. This area was increased from 47 acres 
in the previous plan to 50 acres. However, the developer will be required, as noted, to set aside nine acres for open space and uh, provides for other amenities. Life science and technology companies will be pursued and the location and size of the buildings displayed here is conceptual in nature. That's uh, not something that's uh, chiseled in stone. Next, please. Did I count the house? I guess I did. Next slide, please. So I would like to touch on uh, some questions that we received. Uh, look forward to answering. Uh, question number one, uh, what are the FAA requirements versus recommendations for this project? Is FAA uh, website your source? If not, what is? Uh, my response is that the FAA requirements for airports include maintain a current airport layout plan or ALP. Uh, this is uh, summarized in what's referred to as FAA Airport Grant Assurance Number 29. And an airport is prohibited from altering this ALP unless the local FAA airport's district office has determined a proposal is uh, will not affect safety, utility, or the efficiency of the airport. And that's per FAA AIP handbook on page 66. Question number two, are all of the businesses and facilities on airport property currently paying market rent? If no, which percentages are not? What are the economic loss due to this non-market rate rent? Uh, response is that the airport uses both market rate and changes in the local consumer price index as the basis to set space rental rates for both commercial and individual tenants. In 2023, CPI increases were applied to commercial tenants and are planned for individual tenants. The next fair market rate study is scheduled in 2028. The last one was completed in March of 2017. Question number three, why is there such a difference in the runway safety zone from the first presentation on July 21st from the GIS maps on the Hayward website? The answer, the Skywas property site plan used to illustrate future development is conceptual in nature and subject to change. It is not intended to depict the current site in fine detail. The current airport layout plan, Exhibit A, is available on the airport and city website and uh, more accurately depicts the runway safety area and the runway protection zone. Question four, can you present the GIS map as an overlay showing the current conditions and the proposed conditions? As stated before, uh, I would direct you to the website so you can have a look yourself uh, at it. It does very clearly depict those two areas, the safety zone and the runway safety area. Question five, what is the classification of the new runway safety zone? Uh, what does this classification allow? Not allow. Uh, a runway safety area is a prepared surface that provides a safe place for aircraft that veer off a runway to decelerate and stop and include features such as a smooth and clear uh, grading area, good drainage and load bearing capacity, and the absence of non-essential and non-frangible objects. Permissible objects in the RSA uh, serve an aviation-related purpose, such as uh, runway edge lights or navigation antenna. Question six, how does this project align with Hayward's sustainability goals, environmental justice goals, 
tree planting program. Responses, uh, capital projects on the airport are subject to the same review process as other capital projects throughout the city. Airport projects are also subject to compliance with FAA safety and environmental regulations and policies. Approval by both city council and the FAA must be received before a project can move forward. Uh, these were submitted uh, by me and Dean. Thank you very much for those questions. That completes my presentation. Uh, I'd be happy to take any questions that you may have. All right, thank you, Member Dean. Any follow-up? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna go back through these. Um, so I'm fine with the number one question, but number two, that was the FAA requirements versus recommendations. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't feel like I've got the whole answer for number two, which was about uh, the, the businesses and all the facilities on the airport property paying market rate rent. Because I know I was at the airport commission meeting like two weeks ago and we found out that the hangars are paying about 50% of market rate rent. So I'm wondering about all, all the other businesses, are they also paying not market rate? And, and I, I asked for which percentage or not. So are they paying market rate or are they not? They are, and there They're was all some paying market rate yeah. except for the hangers. There was some controversy uh, when we went through this in 2017. Okay. Uh, we had a study done that was done by a firm out of Denver that does this type of work for a variety of municipalities, and they surveyed hangers in the area and uh, also hangers around the country to determine what market rate would be for Hayward, and we applied those rates in that case. But I want to emphasize that we alternate this. So we do the market rate because that's an FA requirement, but we also look at CPI for the San Francisco, Oakland area and apply that alternately to, to keep up with, with uh, you know, consumer price index. So we do those two things. And, you know, uh, particularly for individuals, we have a variety, quite a variety of people out there. We have uh, individuals who are retired on fixed income that love flying and have flown for 30, 40 years. And uh, for those folks, uh, sometimes it can be difficult to uh, keep up with, you know, rent and the cost of insurance for airplanes and maintenance on airplanes. And so we're very aware of those folks and uh, really want to apply uh, rent increases sparingly. There have been a few cases where council uh, made a decision uh, after recommendation of staff to not include a rate increase that was scheduled. Not during the time I've been there in 11 and a half years, but uh, prior to that. So, so they have, uh, during the periods of economic uh, difficulty, uh, you know, done, done something to help the pilots. But we, uh, since I've been there in particular, have, have stuck with the formula. But the presentation you did last week showed that they were paying 50% of market rate. Well, I, I, if that's, that's what came across, I think I want to. That, that's that's not. They're not paying fifty percent of the market. The last increase we did, we we worked with them and, and came to a uh, understanding. Okay. So my issue is, so we have people at the airport who you're saying should be given this allowance to not have to pay market rate, but yet when Hayward Rec lost the property and because they. The golf course they needed to close it down. Yes, they were losing money, but 
they were told that they had to pay market rate. And for me to ask a public agency to pay market rate when you're giving private individuals that drive airplanes a deal doesn't really seem fair because it seems like the public should get a deal. It's, it's our land, it's our community, it's our open space, it's our parks. There should have been a way to like build some kind of partnership with the city of Hayward, with the airport, with Hayward Rec, just to come up with some other way to um, make this work. Thank you. Um, you're just each other's council member, Dean. No, or, Dean, yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Um, just Kelly McAfee, city manager, I just wanted to respond a little bit to that. Just, Kelly McAdoo, I'm the city manager. Um, so I just wanted to say, you know, in our conversations with Hard, it wasn't simply because the city was raising it to market rate. There were a lot of other factors that Hard that went into Hard's decision, not just the raising of the, the rates from the, the city. So it wasn't they they had staffing concerns and they had you know sort of feasibility of being able to maintain that golf course long term. And, right. and usage. That's why I was saying it would have been awesome if we could have found a way to build a partnership. Well, we, we did. Yeah. With cards, you know, we did reach out to some private providers to see if there was some way to continue the golf course to, you know, there are a lot of um, private operators out there who will operate municipal golf courses, and it just wasn't uh, uh, something that people were interested in at the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't thinking of the golf course. I was thinking of some other kind of recreation because that part of Hayward Northwest part of Hayward only has one third of an acre of open space for a thousand people. And we know the minimum you're supposed to have is three acres for a thousand people. So it just seems like this property is the perfect place to develop a really a gem of a park. And I think we're going to, I think what is there 40 plus acres of open space that'll be included in the new plan, which is a substantial amount of, of new open space. Have you talked to East Bay? Regional parks. As far as I mean, you offered it to Hart, and then have you uh, approached um, East Bay Regional Park? We have received interest from a lot of different uh, developers and people uh, that, that develop golf courses, first of all, and then other uses. Uh, but you know, once uh, we had some initial comments and, and things just didn't go anywhere. Okay. Um, and the other, just, just so one other just restriction that it, we can't sell this land because it is part of the airport property. And so part of our acceptance as the, of this land from the FAA to operate the airport is we have to retain it. So we can only do ground leases. So some agencies like East Bay Regional Parks or others might not be interested in ground, ground leasing the, the land for parks. They would be more interested in purchasing it, which is not an option. But us. they might be interested. You, have you got it? You haven't gotten it, a public answer, yes or no, correct? No. Okay. Um, do you have so, anything? Yes, I still yeah, have. Yeah, it's still your turn. It's still your turn. Um, so I feel like everybody except the hangar people are all paying market rate. Everybody, all the businesses, all the everything that's on the airport property, everybody's paying market rate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Great. Um, now you said this runway zone is conceptual. Um, so it's just really weird how your conceptual drawings on the on the July 21 map, the runway safety zone was like this. And now that it's like this, it's like giant, it like expanded way over the clubhouse. But when I go onto the GIS and I do know how to operate a GIS, um, geographic information system for those who don't know, 
It's a um, bunch of maps on the Hayward um, City website, and you can pick the kind of map you want to look at and then put different layers on it. So you can like look at um, drainage patterns and you can look at the safety zones and the area of influence of the airport. Um, so this map just seems like the airport safe, the runway safety zone keeps expanding and expanding. And it's just expanding over that clubhouse, which that clubhouse is so nice. And it's just, it was redone in 2005, I believe. So it's really a shame that we would lose that beautiful clubhouse when it, it could perhaps be repurposed as like a senior center. I think we could use a senior center in um, this part of Hayward or some other, some other use. Like if we're gonna have community gardens here, it could be a place where people process food. I know there's an amazing kitchen in there. Um, and as far as the GIS, um, you know, telling me to go online to look at it online, the reason I brought these questions to you and I gave them to you two days ahead of this presentation was I was hoping you would incorporate them into your presentation because I would like the people in the audience to be able to see what I see because not everybody knows how to operate a GIS. Not everybody knows how to do that. And you know what I mean? So it would have just been nice if you came with the information because um, if we look at the way SkyWest looks now um, with the with the trees, the eucalyptus trees, or right where the um, that big industrial development is going to be, and that's where all the monarch butterflies are. And the monarch butterflies there used to be five thousand, and they had a steep decline, and now they're on their way back up. So I just have a problem with um, an industrial development being where all these monarch butterflies are hanging out. Um, and I also don't really like that the ponds are going to be filled. Um, because I think there's Western turtles in there. And then just a couple of days ago, we got a picture of a bald eagle down right by Skywest. So I just feel like there's all this wildlife there. And I just really have a hard time with paving paradise. You know what I mean? It's just really hard for me to stomach that. So um, I really want to know about the FAA, the, the, the runway zones, because when I was at the meeting last week, um, George from Hayward City Council asked a question about the two different kinds of runway zones. And one of them, you must clear everything, and one of them, it's optional. Well, now, I would like to know which one do you have? Because at the meeting, you guys. Have, we have both. Um, there's the, okay, can yeah, you explain we, which one is which? Well, the run, well, they're virtually the same thing. They're very, very, they you know, almost go right over the top of each other. And both of them have the same requirements. That is a safe area. So the idea being, as I mentioned in my presentation, if an airplane were to veer off the runway, they need a place that's flat and smooth and can have the weight bearing capacity and solid in order to decelerate and stop. So that's the purpose of that area. It's not safe to have, uh, you know, for example, you know, and well, the other thing which I want to get to is uh, your comment is well taken that the, the thing that was portrayed uh, in the original conceptual drawing was simply that it was conceptual. It wasn't intended to be fine detail and, and you know, it was just conceptual. I can't use it. I'm a detail-oriented person. But, okay. and, 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 that, and so what I'd like to do with the airport layout plan is, is the official document, uh, the official blueprint for what's on the airport and what's planned to be on the airport. And it's our official document that we use with the FAA. And so that was, I wasn't trying to be facetious or dodge your question. What I was trying to say is that if you want the most accurate information, I just want to direct you to the 
uh, Cynthia Hayward's site so that you can take a look for yourself. I've already done it. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's what I should be looking at because yeah. the clubhouse is not in the runway safety zone, according to the Hayward website. Yeah, it's not, but the pavilion is. Okay, but the clubhouse isn't. Okay, there we've said it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I just wanted to respond to your comment about impact on wildlife, monarch butterflies. This is, again, it's a concept plan. So if there is, in fact, an industrial development that's proposed there, they would have to go through the CEQA review process, the environmental, all the environmental reviews. There would be an analysis of potential, um, you know, impacts on wildlife and also tree removal. We have a very strict tree removal ordinance in the city of Hayward. They, you know, if they did remove trees, they'd have to, you know, replant life for life on the site. So there's a lot of that detail that is not, this is simply a conceptual site plan at this point. Yeah, um, I went to your sustainability meeting about the tree planting a couple of weeks ago, and your sustainability manager was actually speaking about um, how this part of Hayward was the most marginalized, disenfranchised community, and how they didn't have all these trees and all this stuff. And I thought, this guy is talking about the where the airport is, and he's talking about how it doesn't have trees and it's marginalized and disenfranchised. And I'm thinking, well, and we're gonna bring in more airplanes and we're going to bring in more pollution and more lead and more fumes and and we're going to take away open space so it just it's kind of making my head explode okay um okay i have just a few more things um so this is called the rsa or runway safety area and that's what it's called and if i go to the faa website i can see clearly if you go to the city on, website and go on and look at the go go to the city website under the airport page uh, there's a section uh, that you can find that has the airport layout plan. Uh, I, but I don't want their layout plan. I want a definition of what's allowed and what's not allowed. Well, that's well. Uh, then, then you would go to the FAA website. And, and, and you know, and, I've gone to it, and it's so confusing. Like sometimes it says you're allowed to have stuff, and sometimes it well, well, well. If sometimes I may suggest, if I may suggest, rather than take our time here. Uh, it sounds like we need to have a, a conversation because I've got a lot of information that I can't provide here. It's pages and pages of, of arcane information, which I'll be glad to provide to you so that you can see what's possible. But the big, the big takeaway from this that I'd like to leave here is that that area is sacred because of the safety implications. We have to have that airport, that part of the airport, open, and the only things that are permitted there are things that are fixed by function, as we say. So lights and so forth. And as far as the clubhouse, you know, we'll have to look at that. Everybody will have to look at that with, with uh, because part of the parking lot, you know, that is part of the clubhouse is in that safety area. So that's gonna go away, most likely at some point. There's a good chunk of that parking lot for safety reasons. Right. Okay, so my whole thing with the safety zone is, okay, so being, if I lived in San Lorenzo in one of those houses that was right outside the safety zone, because the safety zone goes right over San Lorenzo over all the houses, and I know you're not taking out all the houses, so I'd way rather the airplane hit the tree instead of somebody's house, because the person that's in the house was not up in the air flying around, so it doesn't seem like they should have to pay the price of getting hit by an airplane. Just I know that sounds wacky, but like that's kind of how I think. Like the trees might prevent 
an airplane from hitting somebody else. Wow. Um, I know. That's a perspective I hear. I know. So that, you know, this is how I think. While we're, oh. on, while we're on this, what's the implication of like half of San Lorenzo being in the airport safety zone? It's the same color? It's, it's on the map? It's that bright yellow? What's the implication of that? Well, the implication is that in a perfect world, when they created uh, uh, created the airport was, of course, their first, and they created the community around it. In a perfect world, they would have hollowed that out, perhaps, and not put, put residential houses there, but that's what happened. Okay, sorry. And I just want to say, the reason I'm asking all these questions in public is because I feel like the public wants to hear these answers. So me meeting with you isn't exactly what I'm looking for. I'm looking for... I want the public to be able to hear things because I, I work with a lot of different community groups. Well, how about this? How about this? Uh, what I want to do is give you the best, most accurate information I can. Great. That's my that's my goal. And to do that, what I'd like to do is perhaps maybe send you or email you some of this information, specific Great. reference points, so that uh, you can you can check it out for yourself rather than have me sit here and uh because then I'll come to your office. And white page post. So, one second, one second, one second. We will open public comment. Okay. Um, I have one more thing, then okay. I'll be done, I promise. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> now. Um, so, well, you know. I don't feel rushed. I feel like this is good. The city has never had a back and forth with the community. It's all been very stilted, it's all been very controlled. We really appreciate you being here. But I've been so just go ahead. Thank you. Thank um, so we know that Hayward is like um one of the most sustainable cities in the United States. That's what they announced at that meeting that I was at a couple of weeks ago, and that's yay. But when a city um looks at a beautiful gem of 126 acres that has ponds and wildlife and beautiful, quiet, reflective recreational opportunities for the most disenfranchised of its people. Um, I just really have a hard time with a lot of aspects of this project. I don't like the way the um, street is gonna be closed and the new hangers are gonna be brought in. And I'm wondering if those hangers could go somewhere else. And I know the guy, the some person at that committee meeting last week that rents a hanger from you said that a bunch of hangers have been empty for six months. I, you don't need to answer that, but I just wanted to state that. Um, and um, I just really want us to, I want to see a real map, not a conceptual map. And I think the community would like to see that too. And I think we'd really like to see pre uh, preservation as much as we can. And I'd like to see Hayward sticking to their Hayward looking 40, 20 forward goals of you know, environmental justice and um, recreational opportunities for the most disenfranchised for parks and open space. And um, I just don't understand how sustainability goals can be met when you cut down a hundred trees that are 50 years old and you plant 50 trees or a hundred trees that are two months old. It's not the same. They don't sequester carbon the same way. They just don't. So um, I'm done for now. All right, if, if, I, if I could just quickly turn. Uh, Ms. Dean, yes. we, we are in the conceptual stage. Mm -hmm. uh, we mentioned that now uh, several times. So we're still interested. As we're receiving here, we're receiving input. And I want to thank you. We appreciate the input. Uh, we're going to receive, believe me, more input on this before anything goes forward. So thank you. And yes, I'd be happy.
happy to yeah. work with, with everyone here. And Excellent. we're not, you know, as far as the public is concerned, we want public input and we'll get it. And we'd all like to probably get on some kind of mailing list that you have so we can be kept abreast of everything like that. Okay. That'd be great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, good evening. Thank you for showing up. Yeah. Um, I guess I just have a question about the history of it. And when you're doing these uh, uh, public outreach, um, July and August and August, um, the people that showed up, was there any kind of uh, history of the airport and you know how it got started in the first place? This is my question. And maybe that should be incorporated in your basically needs assessment. Does Hayward really need an expanded airport? Or is what they're historically, it's much smaller than it was during the war. I know. But, um, you know, basically the needs assessment is there a need to even go? Is that part of your conceptual idea of uh, why we should even expand it? Well, we. We are not having a referendum on the airport as a whole. The, the point of the discussion right. is, is that property specifically? Yeah. I mean, you know, again, we can talk about the airport and the economic contributions and the things that we do for the community, such as the life-saving medevac flights right. and cargo that we help transport in and out and the law enforcement flights that fly in and out. And we're the training ground for all the pilots. There's a big pilot shortage now with the airlines. Those pilots are being trained at Hayward Executive Airport right now, and, and on and on and on with things that we provide the community. So I'm very confident in the contribution we're making to the community. Yeah. But what we're trying to focus on here in this particular case is Skyway's problems. Yeah, I understand. Um, at the same time, I could see where doing that, during that needs assessment as to how this one part of it is going to be developed. Um, I think the previous um, time when I think you came to us maybe a year ago, and the first slides that you put up were on the development that's going on in another part of it. I'm just wondering if that could be, um, it's a different conversation, but I guess my main, my main question is who is it really benefiting? I know the community benefits from all the life-saving stuff, and I, I approve something which would be designating that airport as a staging area and a training center and everything else and just expand that capability rather than having individual private aircraft stored on there at all. Well, again, Hayward, well, well and, and again, this is a big conversation, but yeah. uh, in general, uh, Hayward is a very diverse community. And mm -hmm. so we want to serve all of the people that are within our community. So. Again, I mentioned the retirees and those folks who have been here, uh, all the way up to the uh, people who fly airplanes for business purposes. Uh, quickly, we have a company out there that that, that doesn't sell but uh, leases equipment for the picking of vegetables and fruit and then quick quick freezes them. And they every uh, two days a week they fly to whatever these far-flung locations are in Southern California and Arizona so forth to make sure that everything goes right, which ultimately then impacts the food we need right. and the fact that it gets quickly frozen, it gets to market in an effective way. That's just one example of the sort of uh, activity that we have going on out there. So we want the recreational people because I don't think there's anything that 
is embarrassing about providing a source of recreation for people in Hayward. But we also have, as you said, all the community services and we have the corporations that fly in and out, just like the one I described who uh, indirectly benefit all of us. Okay, well, I was out there getting tested the other day, Monday, and I could hardly hear the operator for my testing uh, with a question who is what my name and my birthday is because the little two-engine jet flew over, and I did notice right over our heads, and I noticed that there's a stream of black crud coming out of the back of it. And I'm assuming that an expanded, you know, safety zone and, and making it safe, and I also was living here when the little jet ran out of fuel and crashed into the uh, intersection. Fortunately, nobody got killed, but um, it just dropped out of the sky right there. It's a safety issue on the incoming, you know, on the runway. Um, well, when you mentioned noise, and again, I don't want to take a lot of time doing this tonight, no, but, but we're, <clears throat> <clears throat> excuse me, <throat> getting all choked up. Uh, <laughs> we're the only general aviation airport in the area okay. that uh, has a uh, actual noise regulation that was passed by council and there were workshops and surveys and things in 1991. And so we have four noise monitors, some on the airport, some in the community, and we have a dedicated employee who monitors that. Now I can tell you, and we're, we're proud of this, is that just in the last 10 years, the number of noise complaints we get annually have gone, have been cut in half. Now, I know there's some people who say, well, it's because people have given up calling and things like that, but that's not, I don't believe that's the case. What has made a difference is that we call back every single person or we email them or however they contact us. And that's made a difference. And the, or, the ordinance that we have, we're the only airport that has remedies. So we can, uh, you know, first obviously we reach out and we contact them and talk with them. If that doesn't work, I can find them monetarily under this ordinance. And we can actually exclude people from the airport. I've never had to do that because once we contact people in particular, if there's a fine, uh, you know, that generally solves the problem. But, but we're serious, my point being, we're serious about noise here in the city and that we want to address it. We have noise abatement procedures. You've probably seen them that turn at or near the golf course and head out over the bay. So I'm not saying that there's not, you know, ever a, not, you know, a time when planes fly over San Lorenzo. Of course they do. But we really try and control that to the extent that we can. And we're the only general aviation airport in the area that does that. Well, I do appreciate your um, opening it up to the sphere of influence of the unincorporated, which isn't just Hayward, you know, San Lorenzo, Cherryland, Ashland, and everybody else, because all of us live here and all of us need to be able to benefit from having the airport as long as it's, you know, appropriately, you know, run and everything else. But also, I guess what we're supposed to do is share in some of the disabilities of having an airport in our area, right? Well, if I may, I, I, I'm sure there may be extra questions, but let me just state this right now. We'll be glad to have a tour. If, if you want to come out uh, as a group or individually and, and see what the airport's all about. And I can point some of these things out to you. I'd be more than happy to do that. So let me make that offer right now. Yeah, thank you. All right. Uh, member Cizova online. 
Right. Uh, I'm more on the observing the situation right now and uh, listening to what Mimi said, uh, what uh, Michael said, what the speakers have said. Um, I am also concerned about the environmental impact as Mimi has put it out. And um, it really just um, concerned as well. You know, I know you just spoke about the, the sound situation and the regulation and all that. So I appreciate you breaking down because that was part of my concern as well. Um, but at this moment, I don't have more to say to this aspect. I want to learn more about uh, what just was exposed and uh, hear uh, what the public has to say about this as well. I'm very interested about public comment and I would like to hear the community to actually voice out some opinions. So I'm gonna provide space for them because I know uh, some people are short of time. So I prefer to do that. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Uh, Member Weidner. Well, my own biased view because I golf and I played in the women's club that used to play at Sky West. So it was, we were quite dismayed when the course was closing. And actually, it's interesting you said that um, when the airport was there at San Lorenzo, should have notched out more space around it. You know, around the airport. In a perfect world. Right. It, but I'm just thinking most of the times, well, you frequently find golf courses at the end of airport runways or around airports because that is space notched out so residences don't go there. So anyway, um, I'm just sorry that the golf course isn't there anymore. Um, but on a practical note, since it's not on the, I'm, pre, I'm presuming that the trail and that your um, property, the airport property would still be bounded by a fence like it was before when it was a golf course, I just changed the fence all the way around it. So I'm just wondering if, if there would be any um, entry points or access points from the San Lorenzo side, from the residential side. I don't know if it's a good or bad idea, but um, it just seems like if, if there's a trail right here and I can't get to it because there's a fence there and I have to drive my car all the way around to Winton, that it's like, why do I have to do that when the trail's right in my backyard? So I guess my question is, is there a way to consider some kind of entry points from the residential area um, just to consider. I don't even know if the residences would like it, but I, if I was living there, I think, oh, I wish I had a gate in my backyard so I could just want to control when I want to go for a walk. Well, my colleague Todd is taking notes tonight. At least I hope you look at areas <laughs> that is so we'll take that comment. Thank you very much for that. Uh, I would say the, the honest answer to your uh, comment is to be determined. Uh, we'll have to look at that, but that's a good suggestion and uh, I appreciate it. The, there, there are plans to have entrances all along, uh, down at the um, duck pond and then at Via Alamitos. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's definitely entrances. Um, all right, so thank you very much. Um, would you be willing to come to the county airport commission that reviews land use around airports? I'm part of the commission, actually. I'm an, I'm an alternate, but I'm, I'm on the okay. So is this project going to go to that? Eventually, it will. It, it's, not, it's not enough of a concept. We have to actually have a proposal. Uh -huh. uh, right now, we don't have a proposal. We have a concept. Okay. Uh, thank you. 
Um, so I, I mean, I, I do understand. I just personally, I think I understand the airport extension. I, if you, and the word is that there was a contract signed with the city and an airliner that um, these jets are going to be bigger. So they need longer runways. Well, good question. Um, the technology has changed with airplanes. The wings have become more efficient. The engines have become more efficient. So they uh, burn less fuel and have a lower carbon footprint, but actually perform better than the old turbojet engines from the 1960s and 70s. So interestingly enough, the runway that we have, uh, as time goes on and technology improves, has become more and more suitable for a variety of airplanes, including corporate jets. So a couple of times here tonight, I've heard the word expansion, and I wanted to address that for just a quick second. We're landlocked. We're completely landlocked. So the idea that we're going to be expanding to me means make the airport physically bigger. It's not going to be physically bigger because, at least as far as I can perceive, because we're landlocked and the airport is a very defined parcel. So I don't know that I would use the word expansion. Now, do we improve the airport? Absolutely. The infrastructure, improve the pavement, you know, uh, new buildings. Absolutely. Because we want to be a thriving community. We're self-sufficient. Remember, we don't use any public funds at all from the general fund. The only thing up we're an enterprise fund. So the only money we use is the money, the revenue that we bring in at the airport. So it's important for us to have a you know, a vibrant community and a lot of activity going on. That part's true, but um, forgive me, but I've been doing this for a long time. You can see all the gray hair, what's left. And, and uh, this always comes up because it's a concern people have. Are we gonna be seeing airliners all of a sudden? The answer is no, because we're not a part 139 airport, which you need to be for air carrier service. But more importantly, Oakland International Airport, a world-class airport is just seven miles up the road. So it would make no sense to build an air carrier airport so close to Oakland. So now, uh, the other thing I want to mention is that technology is improving with general aviation. This is a story that needs to be told. They're developing electric airplanes and general aviation will probably be the first to fly electric airplanes. Uh, one of our two fuel suppliers is very close to getting unleaded fuel, all right? so. That's going to uh, benefit the environment. And the other one is looking at jet fuel that comes from plant sources, not, not from refining petrol. So um, these are things that are going on electric, different sources of fuel right now at the airport. Sure. Um, yeah, that sounds good. Uh, so what I'm trying to get at is why does the safety zone need to be brought up to standards? Why can't it just exist as it is? Well, there's been a little bit of a disconnect here because of, because of that, uh, you know, I really regret that site plan. Mimi's making me regret that. We want to go by the official airport layout plan. And you can bet that one of the first things we're going to do when I go to the airport tomorrow is take another look at that conceptual plan because it's a work in progress. And we're going to make sure you know that the safety zone is accurately portrayed on it because obviously it's a big deal 
So we're so, gonna we're gonna do that. But, so. but that's why you need to be to bring it up to whatever the safety um, requirements are, correct? Because well, sorry, required of so the safety requirements to essentially make the safety zone a flat area with nothing there, because right now there are things there. Right. The reason that you have to do that is because of the expansion, correct? Well, not the expansion. Why, why, the, why, why can't it just stay like now it is now? Now, now that that land is not subleased, we have an opportunity. And it's incumbent on us because safety is number one. It's incumbent upon us to, now that we are able to improve it, I mean, I guess we could have come in later and just said, hey, you know what? You got to get rid of holes, you know, these, these mm -hmm. golf court, these holes, and you got to get rid of We didn't do that because it's not feasible. We have a, a sublease with these folks. But now that it's available for safety purposes, it's incumbent on us to bring it up to standard. Okay. Um, thank you for that. So, so kind of getting back to, okay, so, so I understand, you know, can, uh, with that, the safety zone, you can understand the uh, hangar expansion, right? Especially if you're doing, you know, more more people are using the airport. I don't get the business development part. It just it doesn't square at all with any regional plan as far as um, respecting, um, you know, greenhouse gases or uh, development near um, sensitive habitats. I mean, we have a lot of uh, our, you know, politicians that go to the shore and they say, we love our shore. Well, you know, this is the ultimate test, right? Do you actually love your shore? Because Hayward has answered that question with a natural gas plant. That was how, that's how they answered it the first time. So I'm just wondering how they're going to answer it the second time. And that's not just the Hayward City Council. Um, so I'm just really not understanding. I, I know it pencils out the business development makes the project pencil out better. Um, when was the last time? And so help me understand, are you working on your own volition as the airport, as an entity, or are you taking direction from the council? And when was the last time council directed you to take initiative down this path? Well, first of all, let me just state the obvious. Council makes the ultimate decision on everything that goes on, not the airport manager. Right. Okay. okay, so that's for starters. They have the final say after they get public input. So that's that's the case. Uh, but I, I have to say, you know, beg your indulgence here. It is part of the airport. And I know that it's been essentially parkland all these years because uh, you know, I've heard all the stories about people walking their dogs. I mean, public easements are a thing, and too. I think there was probably a presumption that it was going to always, every last square inch of it was going to be like that forever and ever and ever. And, and that's, but I want to emphasize another thing, and I'm not sure, maybe it got lost a little bit. Sure. We are really trying to develop as much recreational area there and maintain as much recreational area as is possible to do that. I mentioned in my presentation that I went through very quickly that we've expanded based on input, the amount of recreational area. And we've heard the, the ideas that people have presented to us and we're incorporating, incorporating as many of those as we can. Uh, so we're, we're on board with the recreational use of it. And what we're not saying is, you know, I, I guess a certain kind of an airport manager come in and say, we're paving all that. You know, we're turning it back into an airport, which it was originally. We're not saying that. Hayward is not saying that. 
we're getting we're getting input and we're trying to dedicate as much recreational space as we can. Okay, so my question was, are you working? So I, I understand the final approval is from council. Is the is the airport working on its own volition right now, or was there direction from the council? No one told us. If you if your question is, did someone tell me to put industrial? No, they did not. The other thing too, it just occurs to me. You know, we have to talk about what this is, because in fairness to you guys, you, you probably could think of it be anything. We're adjacent to a warehouse area. For all you know, maybe I have this crazy idea we're going to put warehouses out there. That's not what we have in mind. Life Sciences Campus, very nice buildings, lots of, as I mentioned several times in the presentation, lots of park space around those buildings and walkways. So this is not going to be a blight. It's it's not going to be a foundry. It's going to be something that the, the public can still use. So, so, so why I'm asking this is can because... I just, sure, I just sure. Jump in. So the council did give Doug as the airport manager and me as the city manager and our public works director direction when hard terminated the lease and we had this requirement for the airport safety zone or the runway safety zone the council said please come up with a plan and they said go off and do it so it wasn't like we just kind of went off and did it on our own and there have been multiple touch points at council work sessions the airport committee so they've had input along the whole way and we've presented different alternatives and this is kind of the plan that we've all landed on with the community input and and the variety of uh, touch points with council. Thank you so much, because I think it's important, right? Because ultimately we don't live in the city of Hayward, but we do have elected officials that we can talk to, right? And so that part I think is really important um, for us um, in, in the room. All right, um, do, 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 do. so, so thank you, go ahead. So, um... Hayward's general plan looking forward 2040 actually has that parcel as open space. So I just wanted to let you know that. Um, so I think that's important to remember. And um, I have one more question. Pilots, where do most of the pilots come from? Are they in the zip codes in Hayward? No, about 20%. The rest, the rest come from other places. They're, the general aviation airports, there's so much demand for space in the whole Bay Area, that as a practical matter, what happens is if you're new to the area or you've lived here for a while and you want to buy an airplane to get your pilot's license, you go around to all the airports and put your name in because it's those we have a waiting lists at Hayward for the different size hangers that we have. There's a waiting lists at all the airports to get out. So that's what they do. And uh, you know, if there's a guy you know in the peninsula someplace that has an airplane. Uh, if he can get something at San Carlos, it's closer to his house, great. But if he can't, uh, or it's not close to the company he owns, then he can uh, come to Hayward. You know, if we right. have space, well, get on the list and move up the list. Right. Well, my question was to let people know that the people who are using the airport are not people that live in our community. So we are allowing people that don't live in our community to dictate what is happening in our community, which I have big problem with so i feel like i need to stop because i sure. have so much more to say sure. i think public comment needs to happen yeah sure uh very good let's go ahead and open public comment anyone in the room um please approach the podium um for public comment and then if you are online please raise your hand if you wish to make a public comment regarding agenda item number four sky west reviews 
Hi, I'm Virginia Kelly from San Lorenzo. I'd like to make a couple of comments, some on what Mr. McNeely said. Uh, I don't understand the, the safety area. Um, I understand it in terms of the airport and its history. Nothing, has the FAA come in and said, you've got to expand that runway? That was not answered. Who else is saying you have to expand that runway? Anybody else? Albany County, Haywood? We don't know. So that's a concern because that's a huge area of the park. And my feeling is that expansion is not for little seniors in little teeny planes. It's for corporate jets, which are the most unecological means of transportation because we see them go over. And these are not commercial airliners but they are seating about 30 people. That's pretty big. And they're loud, very loud. The other thing about that, we've noticed that there's been a real fall off in that traffic, probably related to the economy, probably related to the fact that those corporations are being fined for their carbon distribution, and that's good. So the fact that this airport now wants to accommodate these gigantic planes in, in a neighborhood, uh, he lives, we, we live in a house that's right next to the park. Um, my other points were a couple about this in development, uh, in, in, in uh, expansion specifically. Uh, I think there's been very little input from the community in terms of community engagement, Ms. McNeely. We've had a real problem with uh, community engagement. The only reason we're here is because some wonderful person sends out beats. That's the only reason we're here and the only reason that people come online. Because if you go to the airport website, there isn't even a mention of any. There is not a mention of any meetings, community input. There's been no. I noticed when the woman did that other one, she mentioned surveys, uh, community meetings, outreach in the community, nothing, nothing. Uh, the other thing is about the suspension of this business park, it's absurd. If you drive around Bawitter or Industrial, you see massive numbers of vacant, long-time vacant business parks. What is the point of building a, business, a fancy business park when there's so much available Space. Who are you going to attract? Now he talks about these medical facilities, and research and education. He has no idea whether that's going to happen. You know, have you got a lot of input about that? No, I don't think so. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, my name is Stephen Brown. I live on Via Sarita in San Lorenzo. My backyard looks out on the former golf course. I live at the very western end. And if you put, I don't know if you could put up one of those maps of the, of the top turn of Limerick, if you have the snow one there. Well, they're going to put the pocket park on the on the western end. Right now, that's underwater. That's there's only separate the, the wetlands and the golf course. The only thing that separates that is, is the railroad tracks. And right now, that's just submerged with water. And and right now, if you go out in my backyard right now, between about eight o'clock and two in the morning, 
there's this beautiful chorus of frogs right now. If you, if you were someone said you wouldn't be able to see that almost yell because of the beautiful chorus of thousands of frogs getting the rate of mate there. But also on a, on a personal note, they have an emergency access road marked here. They moved it in the first preliminary plan. It was going to San Lorenzo Park. Now it's coming down via Carmen, and it looks like to me it goes right through my house to access the golf course area, the, the business park. The business park just makes no sense at all. It's going to bring people in here that don't even live in this in the neighborhood. It's going to be people. I don't care what kind of job it has. It's going to bring people in. It's not going to benefit us. It's not going to benefit us in the community. But this emergency access road, uh, I don't live in my house. I moved there in 2009 as a retiree. I don't want to look at a business park. I want to look at a beautiful park. And uh, this just is very upsetting. I'm, 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 I'm trying to stay pretty calm. I can get worked up about this. But it's just ridiculous to try to incorporate this beautiful green area into some kind of a industrial park. And, and it, just, it should always stay green. Once you put these, these buildings on there, they'll be there forever. They'll never be green again. We have a chance to save this area. We have to do it now. We don't need no uh, airport expansion. We don't need an airport expansion. Uh, it doesn't benefit anybody that lives here. Uh, thank you. Thank you for your comment. Anybody else in the audience would like to make a public comment? Please step up to the lectern. Um, yes, thank you. Um, I just want to say to all of you, if you have children or grandchildren, I'm going to read something. Uh, I was given this by my son. There's, and I'm into the urban sports. So anyway, and we have a beautiful one at the golf course. Um, 36,388,524 dead trees in California. My son is a wildland firefighter and a park ranger. California has lost tons of trees. So I'm gonna give leave this with the council and the other people here. Um, according to California Code Public Resource, section 4799, um, urban forest means the cultivation and management of trees in urban areas for their present and potential contributions to economic, psychological, sociological and ecological well-being of the urban society around. Um, I have an issue with the business park too. Um, when I walk down there, uh, I don't know who he is. <laughs> he, he's right. You have saturated from the weather extreme events that we have, and we're going to have more of them. Please go down there and look. The land is still saturated. There's canals along those houses that are still wet. There are frogs down there, but we have a lot of wildlife that's, that's down there that is really beautiful. There were blue herons. There's a bald eagle that my son, park ranger, took a picture of that's close to Sky West. Um, there's 
the butterflies down there. When you ask people about it, they're in the they're in the eucalyptus grove where you guys have been built up into a business park. So I'm wondering, can you move the business park? I mean, you're talking about doing a lot of acreage, but it doesn't cut an urban forest that we really need. So um, I'm going to leave this also. This is for anybody who wants to read in this talk. I guess it's helpful. So I think that you need to kind of look at your plan. And I do appreciate you here. And I do appreciate having these public meetings. And I thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, thanks, Council. Uh, my name is Rick Hatcher. I am the president of the Hayward Area Recreation and Park District. And I just want to first clarify a little bit of uh, the subject that was brought up in regards to Hart's initial um, no longer um, operating a golf course there, Sky West. And it, if you see the, the model of golf courses around the state of California, around the nation, really public agencies aren't running that anymore for obvious reasons. Uh, we subsidize the golf operations there uh, over a million dollars per year. And so that was a really a big issue. Um, when it, our lease came up, uh, the rents, as was stated tonight, were going to go to market value. So our $150,000 rent that we were paying was going to approximately go to about $3.2 million. But a really key part of it, which is something that, you know, when I first got to heart, I saw this, that 60% of the users of the golf course, and sorry, Council Member Weidler, it, we're not from our district. And so, you know, to have that heavy subsidy and not have uh, the, the, part, the residents of our community to benefit from that. So it really was, you know, that, you know, the perfect storm of why not to operate a golf course at that site. And just wanted to clarify that. Um, and I do want to applaud, you know, we, we are the park district for the entire city of Hayward. We have an amazing relationship. We've run a ton of properties together. We just rebuilt Kennedy Park, which a lot of folks don't know, city property. And so I applaud the, the over 39 acres of recreational um, opportunities that are that Sky West offers. And the, the really the trail, the connection between the sounds of park and Kennedy Park is just going to be a, an incredible resource for the community. That at our at our meetings we have with our park um, development, it's always trails that come up to be number one. So that that it's going to be an incredible opportunity. Um, the discussion about really the wildlife, I mean, that is really robust and we really encourage the community to continue to, to have this discussion. Um, but my one request um, in regards to this is that, you know, it, it hard, we, we passed a quarter billion dollar bond in 16 with 80% of the vote and it's an incredible accomplishment. We're building parks. Um, we, we have a whole capital team. We're, we're, we're in this wonderful position to, to really provide opportunity around recreation. And so this discussion of what we're doing is a, an incredible um, a time right now. And I just asked the, the city and the, the airport and the, and the consultants that are there to really include uh, hard at the table for the conversation moving forward. And we are in conceptual phases, but the beauty of what we bring to the community at hard is that this is what we do. I mean, we, we we keep our eyes on our open space and our opportunities, and we have the, the staff to do that. We have the the inclination to do that. And you know, for quite a few months and over over a year now, the, the community's really been asking us to be at the table in a little bit more, more robust fashion. So that, that's my only really kind of comment to, to have us there to, to do what we do best. So thanks, Council, for entertaining this talk. 
Thank you. I can't say anything better than what Rick just said. Um, I love walking and biking out there. It really is a beautiful place, an amenity. Uh, lots of times what I wonder is why there can't be more of a compromise of like a business or a school, like a satellite campus for Cal State Hayward that goes in there, reaching out for something like that instead of an industrial park, a scientific park, that's not gonna benefit San Lorenzo or the surrounding neighbors, a, a, a campus would be great. And I know you kind of can't do that, you're saying, but if you're putting in a giant scientific, you know, uh, industrial park, how many hundreds of people would be in there? Quite a bit. So I just say, let's try and strike a balance. And there are two beautiful big ponds. People in Fremont love their Lake Elizabeth. There's Lake Merritt. I mean, you're gonna destroy those? Uh, why would you do that? It's such beauty in our backyard, in these people's backyards, in San Lorenzo's backyard. You really should, you know, strike more of a balance. That's not what I'm seeing. Is I, I see so much of that industrial park, and I know it's conceptual, but you have nine buildings there behind these poor people's houses. So that's why I always push, hey, open space. Think about the future generations, too. They're going to need this mental space. Look at this previous housing uh, thing that was on the agenda. There's going to be housing everywhere. There's going to be no open space. And this would provide a benefit for the community. You know, you really got to think about that. So thank you so much. And I appreciate you guys. This has been a study in endurance. <laughs> and I appreciate you finally coming back. A lot of good information. So thank you for that. I, I do appreciate that. And I think what a lot of these other people were saying is you did this outreach, but a lot of it was so focused on the city of Hayward and it was all done during the pandemic. And a lot of people felt like they weren't able to speak even. You just had it all on these question things and you consolidated it. And, and I mean, I, I know that's the way they did it, but it, it just was a weird outreach to me. Anyway, thank you so much and thank you for being here. Thank you. Any more public comments in the room? Um, if not, can we go to online? Charles, you have three minutes to speak. Please unmute your mic. Charles Pisano. Sorry. Hi. Yeah, Charles Pisano, San Lorenzo. Uh, I. I wanted to come in this conversation with respect to uh, the city airport managers, the city of Hayward, uh, and the entire EMAC board and citizens of San Lorenzo, et cetera. I am a San Lorenzo citizen, and um, I come at this from many angles. I worked in commercial carpentry. We built uh, commercial buildings. I'm for affordable housing. I'm for Sulphur Creek and the preservation of open space. And somehow the mix of what is proposed here is not working. There's, I, I don't understand where the affordable housing project uh, element is on this uh, proposal. I don't understand why a commercial development would be stuck next to the bay 
where I don't see access, even though it's not for trucks. I understand it's for tech development, et cetera, et cetera. That's fine and good. Uh, what I would like to see is protection for Sulphur Creek through and to the bay from the beginning to the end of the airport property. What I'd like to see is preservation of as much wildlife as possible. What I'd like to see is affordable housing. What I would not like to see is more commercial development in that particular corner that is proposed. I think it would be much better suited for more green and open space. I think somehow the city of Hayward will survive without that revenue. Thank you. Julio, you have three minutes to speak. Hi, good night, everybody. My name is Julio Contreras, and I am a resident of District 2, living in South Hayward in the Jackson Triangle. Um, I wanted to say that, yes, for recreational space, for green space, for preserving uh, the land and preserving uh, the ecosystem and uh, the creek, sulfur creek, as well as the natural wildlife. And the next thing I want to comment uh, first this process and as a resident in Hayward, a second um, as an advocate and somebody who has studied um, environmental sciences and also um, policy on urban agriculture. And then third, um, just on the importance of climate change and the climate catastrophe and the importance of preserving this land. So first, uh, this process has been a little frustrating. Um, I feel like I haven't been heard and I feel like we left off on those public meetings feeling pretty excited about what we did and what we accomplished. And this proposal and this you know, conceptual plan doesn't feel to include um, what, what I was hoping. And it sounds like Chaz and, and other community members. And to that point, um, you know, it's, it's hard to grow up in a community and environmental injustice location where uh, the life expectancy is lower because there isn't that much park space because of uh, a bunch of other injustices growing up with asthma. So like straight up, this is, this, is, this is public open space that is able to make a huge difference in, in this community and not just for the community, but also for uh, the shoreline. And so the fact that there is this proposal for paving over this parking lot, for uh, not prioritizing conservation, the ecosystem and public health, I think those three are extremely important. Um, it's, it's just a little bit concerning and, and frustrating. Um, and as far as uh, my comment on environmental sciences, I think it's really important that uh, we highlight what Tyler Dragoni um, and also uh, Mimi Dean brought up as far as how is this um, addressing uh, and how is this fitting into Hayward's uh, 2040 plan? How is this at all pushing forward what the public wants and what uh, has been the consensus uh, versus uh, you know, what a few uh, status quo or a few people in power um, are, are kind of deciding. And, and as far as that transparency, this, this is a little frustrating. And, and I know that a lot of uh, policy and a lot of decisions are made uh, backdoor with those who have the privilege to and the power to make these decisions. And so as community members, as people that live here, working class people, 
who don't oftentimes get to comment in these kinds of uh, meetings and in these kinds of spaces, uh, please listen to our voices. Please uh, prioritize what we need, straight up need, and not a privilege, not what we want. Um, as as far as like airport space or um, something that isn't necessary for survival or for our basic needs of clean clean uh, air um, and um, other benefits like food and whatnot. So thank you. Thank you. Anne, you have three minutes to speak. Thank you. Hi, Dr. Ann Maris here. I'm an educator focused on biochemistry and molecular biology. And I am from here, educated in Hayward schools, like Baywood, Bret Hart, Hayward High, Chabot College, Cal State East Bay. This was a really interesting and knowledgeable presentation. Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Now I'm gonna talk about butterflies who have habitat at Sky West. The Xerces Society is a nonprofit group focused on protecting bugs, including the threatened California monarch butterfly. Xerces is spelled X-E-R-C-E-S. The Xerces organization has been conducting a research study at SkyWest for 26 years. The monarchs can be seen in the huge old eucalyptus trees that are conceptually threatened by this plan. There's a contribution of old trees to our oxygen atmosphere and wildlife habitat that small young new trees cannot provide. Bugs and animals have the ability to have memory of places and pathways, and they follow the generations before them. SkyWest is known as study site 2837 in the Xerces study. The yearly counts have gone from 5,000 to zero and in between. We know there's a drastic overall loss of monarchs due to loss of habitat, more pesticides, human problems, Residents would all feel more, feel more confident in this re redevelopment process if we heard some specifics, even in this conceptual phase. I appreciate some of the specifics that were provided today. For example, Hayward's tree protection ordinance and environmental review process. The problem here is that we all see and hear how environmental laws are providing more and more ways to bypass CEQA. The law sets the minimum, not the goal. We keep hearing some land will be safe for recreation purposes in these conceptual plans somewhere. Might the goal of habitat protection be there? Is it there? What about mitigation for habitat destruction that Hayward Airport is already required to do and hasn't done for runway work? There's a creek that runs under the runway. In the past, we've heard there's been nowhere to do this. And what about if we used this mitigation money at the SkyWest site? Right now, Hayward might have to bank the money or give it to another geographic area. Flood control's not helping Hayward and not allowing creek restorations. We need to hear that county is working with Hayward to protect our shared environment. And how can these resources be kept local and used in this project? We're not on a good flight path. We need to hear that our air, water, soil, and wildlife habitat is being considered in order to protect public health for our future generations. Thank you. Ms. Meredith, you have three minutes to speak. Thank you. Good evening. And thank you to everybody who's been there tonight and who has spoken up. I'm a resident um, who lives on Via Sarita, closer to the clubhouse side. Uh, we've owned our home for about 20 years. We've raised our children here. Um, having 
a property that backs up to the golf course was a huge draw for buying our property. Um, the current plan that is set to, um, that is being discussed is a huge blow to not only our property value, but to the community. I have several neighbors who have just been devastated by what they're seeing happen, how they're feeling unheard and not listened to. I know that I personally have called a few times and left messages. I've never been contacted by anyone ever. I called even from the playground at Del Rey while I was working and children were scared because a jet flew over very low and very loudly. Um, I've called because our house is literally shaking the last year as jets are being incorporated more into the airport. And it makes me worry. It makes me worry about the foundation eventually of our home. It makes me worry when I see about the trees being cut down. Thank you, Ms. Dean, for mentioning the protection that they give us, the feeling of protection they give us. I've seen two planes crash on the golf course behind our home since we've lived here. Tearing them down would be a huge loss. Um, it would make us feel a lot more unsafe. It affects not only the view we have, but the animals that we love. I love hearing the owls. We love seeing the pollinators tearing down the trees, going to have a huge chain reaction that is not a positive reaction. It's also going to affect the heating and cooling of our homes by getting rid of the shade that we currently have from these beautiful trees behind our homes. Um, I just can't stress how upsetting it is to hear about the buildings that um, are proposed to go back there. Right now, we have drag racing that happens on the weekend. We have alarms going off in those buildings sometimes. I think I said on the San Lorenzo Community Page website in November that there is one building that has had an alarm on rotation 24 hours a day that's been going off that has just been horrible. Um, I just really would love you to know that as a mom who raised her kids out here, it would be devastating to see the changes that are proposed happen. Um, I thank you for your time being there. There's a lot more I would love to discuss, but my time doesn't allow it. And I just want to say, please, please do not put forth this current plan because it does not benefit the local homeowners. Thank you. Thank you. Marty, you have three minutes to speak. Uh, hi, my name is Marty Akoff. I live on Via Cerrita also. Um, my family has had this house for 71 years. We uh, were among the original owners. Um, and I'm a former pilot, uh, so I understand about aviation safety. Um, the existing safety zone has trees. Uh, the ground appears to be unprepared and uneven. The existing clubhouse appears to be within this safety zone. So how has the FAA chosen to apply this new requirement? A, uh, a business park is not open space. It cannot support wildlife as the former SkyWest does. A business park will be an attraction to sideshows, vehicle noise, and other business noise. And a business park reduces the options for departing aircraft in need of a place to ditch, which the existing former SkyWest provides. 
You may recall in October of 2020, a glass air crashed in the golf course west of the of the clubhouse. Um, and it looks to me like with a business park development, uh, such an event, damage would only be worse. So uh, thank you for holding these forums. That's all I have to say. Thank you. <clears throat> Lawrence, you have three minutes to speak. Thank you so much. So I'm also a product of the San Lorenzo school system and then Chabot College and the uh, open space there along the Bay Shore, um, everywhere that our bicycles could reach, including San Leandro, Alameda, um, parts of Oakland, um, that, that's where I grew up. And uh, back then in the 60s and 70s, um, it was wonderful. There, there were open spaces. And if you look at the old maps, if you do a Google search for the creeks of, of our area, like Sulphur Creek or San Lorenzo Creek, and look what this area was like, it was wetlands everywhere. The frogs that people were describing in their, in their backyards in this area, that would have been over the whole area. And over the years, it's all been drained, it's all been built on, and that little patch that's left is literally ecological gold. It's just priceless. And so um, if you look at the folks that live up in the hills, they have the East Bay Regional Parks right in their backyard, even though all of us pay the property taxes, you know, even the poor people that live near airports, and we don't have that same kind of open space anymore. So when you have a spot like that, that is so valuable and so precious and the last place left, and of course the reason is that it's all developed, you know, it's, it's all big money to people with, that want to make money, right? That's why all of this land has disappeared and there's so little open space left, so little natural habitat left, so few places for frogs and, and why butterflies are endangered now. Just look around the bay and see what you can see. So it makes no sense to put any buildings on that space at all. What makes a lot of sense is to do what they've done over in the East Bay Regional Park, Martin Luther King shoreline, where they've um, taken a big section of natural area, they put a small fence around it, people walk around it and it's just heavily loved and used. Same thing in Berkeley at the Berkeley Marina, there's a patch, a natural patch of wetland, a freshwater wetland. They put a similar fence around to keep dogs and people out. Then the trails go all through it. They're sort of screened and the people absolutely love it. It's heavily, heavily used and nature, people can look into it like a living museum. So, you know, you talk about putting in some kind of industrial park with life sciences. Well, that's all BS. The real life science is right there. It's already there. It's existing. It can use some restoration. That's what they do at these other parks. Volunteers plant the native plants. They restore the area. It's loved. It's used. And kids can grow up and do something useful. They can get out there and be inspired to become wildlife biologists right there. The poor kids. It's, a, it's an issue of racial equity. It's an issue of environmental equity and environmental justice. They should have the same. The flatland kids should have the same thing. And the adults, of course, too, that the folks that live up in the hills have. So, you know, it just makes no sense also for jets to be there. That's a small airport. We have airports all around us for jets. Uh, total BS. It's, it's all indicative of this time of, uh, you know, an environmental injustice that we have and corporations having too much power. Thanks so much for giving me the time to talk. Please do the right thing. Listen, all of us have a unifying message. I hope you're hearing it loud and clear.
Thank you. We hear you. Gina, you have three minutes to speak. Um, good evening. My name is Gina Rose, and I am a resident of San Lorenzo. I've lived here for 35 years, and although my home does not abut the um, back of the um, proposed industrial business park, ever since I saw the first plans, I was actually appalled and offended that anyone would even consider putting an industrial park up to the back of a home. If it were my home, I would be really, really upset to have to have Greenland um, paved over and to have um, pavement and buildings there. Um, I think that um, San Lorenzo and Hayward need to continue to have this area be green and maintain the trees that are already there. Um, cutting down trees and replacing them with additional trees does not provide the same thing as keeping the trees that are already there, which as some of my of the people who've spoken before have mentioned, the trees harbor butterflies and other, other natural habitats. <clears throat> and they provide shade for an area. Um, I think once, uh, as someone else also said, once the green is gone, it won't come back. And we do, I agree, have an area of ecological gold that needs to be preserved for not only for San Lorenzo or for the people of San Lorenzo and Hayward, but also for the climate as a whole. I think that it's very necessary in, in terms of the climate for every single bit of Greenland to be preserved as much as possible. I, I would much prefer it to be used as some kind of a park or some kind of um, some some kind of green that people can enjoy and preserve and that the habitat can be protected. Um, I, I agree. I want the county to work with Hayward to protect our resources and provide environmental justice in this area that I believe is unjust. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to speak. Thank you. Cindy, you have three minutes to speak. Cindy, please unmute your mic. Cindy, please unmute your mic. Okay, we have no more speakers. All right, thank you. Let's bring hello. It Cindy? Oh, hello, hello. And you have three minutes. Yes. Um, the city of Hayward already has an industrial park. You already destroyed the city, Russell City, to establish one. Have you not learned from the greed and racism that caused that? Please listen to the community. Do not continue to have these meetings where you're just checking the boxes to say you engage the community and listen to them without hearing them. Do not do to the community what you have done to Russell City. Learn from your mistakes. Save the environment in our community, the purpose of the residents that live here, not for those who do not. Thank you. We have no more speakers. All right, thank you, Cindy. Uh, let's bring it back to the council. 
Um, yeah, um, sure. Would you like to respond to anything that- I just actually, sure. our public works director, Alex Mary had this great um, handout from the FAA's website about what a runway safety area is. So I was hoping maybe I could do it with the staff to get photocopies made for everyone. And I just wanted to clarify, because I heard a lot of talk of the expansion and I just wanted to make sure it was clear. So the FAA has certain standards for the size of a runway safety area. Ours has always been non-standard because of the golf course and the lease that has been operating there. So on this website, there's a sentence that says, the FAA encourages all airports with non-standard runway safety areas to seek opportunities to expand their safety area, combat compatible land or reconfigure their runways to meet standard runway safety area dimensions. So the, ex, you know, the termination of the lease with the golf course was that opportunity to make our runway safety area compliant with FAA requirements. So that's why we're going through this process and it presented this opportunity and the council wanted to look at other, our city council wanted to look at other ways to utilize that land um, for the benefit of the community and for the city. So that's, I'll leave this uh, for, the, for the council. All right, um, if you would, can you uh, address, I think we have some comment. Um, can I ask Ms. McNeely one question, please? Um, Just a quick question. Sure. Well, Mr. McNeely, Mr. McNeely, my name is Stephen Brown. Several months ago, I sent you a certified letter with the maps of your preliminary plan asking you about the access road that was marked with the arrows. In August, it went through the park. In November, it went through my house. You never showed me the respect of the response. I'm very disappointed in you. Can you give me an answer now? Are you going to take out my house? All right. The emergency all right, thank you. We do it. Um, you never, you never sent me a response. It's never a response. It was a certified letter. Somebody had to sign for it. I'm sure. I'm sure we can. We can. We can have uh, questions answered by City of Hayward staff um, on, on our own time. But thank you for that. Yeah, so who should I leave this with? So um, yeah, we're going to pass everything down. So, but if you could. Matt, you put on the website. Wait, you guys are getting. So that whole pile needs to go to just yes, yeah. Moment, please, moment, please, moment. So all these items are be posted might be the agenda in a minute. So hope I have access to it. That's the law. So where? So so she's asking. She's asking some. She she wants it included in the airport's website. So yeah, that's, that's different. That's different. Yeah, that's, right. that's supposed to be you, yeah. that, that's, that's the question she has for Ms. Yeah. Uh, Matthew. All right. So thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, appreciate all the more information that we can get. Um, you know, I, I, I do appreciate that you, you are working at direction of the city council. Um, and, and you are, you love Hayward. I don't doubt that. I don't doubt Kelly, Alex, that you're all genuine people, right? This project is not for Hayward. This project, I've, I've grown up in Hayward, lived on 7th Street. You know, I don't know, you know, I lived in a two bedroom house. I had two brothers and there were five of us. Sometimes the only refuge that you had was to go outside and connect with nature, right? That's sometimes that's the only thing people that live in communities and house, housing that's too dense for essentially their number. So I'm just really, really um, 
flabbergasted that this project um, looks looks like that. But I, this project is not for Hayward. I've taught in every single Hayward High School um, that exists in the district. I teach at a Hayward High School now. Um, this project is in Hayward at all. Um, so I urge everyone in this room to urge the Hayward City Council to give them different direction uh, um, because they are working um, at, at the direction of city council members. I think the change in Google Maps, um, there was a, this is just you know my final kind of thoughts on it. Google Maps designated it as a park, someone, I don't know who it was and it doesn't really matter. But I think it's pretty petty to take the green space, contact Google and tell them to take the green park space off Google Maps, but it still is a park. People are still using it for recreation and walking their dogs and whatnot. Um, Mr. McNeely, you said that the airport's property, I mean, I do appreciate at that as an airport manager, but city agencies hold this land in trust for the community. You work at the behest of the community. So kind of, and I know you probably have very, very close intimate feelings and a personal you know, kind of identification with the airport, it's not the airport's land, it is the community's land. And so this to me looks like a public easement, even though I, I get it that it was leased, it is now turned into a public easement. More people are using it every day. And so I'm just wondering, you know, um, all of the different agencies as far as like the Coastal Commission, I think a business park is a beautiful idea at Southland next to a freeway, freeway access. I think Southland would be perfect for uh, a business uh, park. Um, and I'll just turn it back to the council. Any final words? I just, I, I really want to read that document before I leave tonight because I encouraging things is not the same as requiring things. And that's where I have a lot of issues with when I read this FAA stuff. I see those words used, encourage, require, recommend. They don't mean the same thing. All right, number three, and then Michael. Yeah, sorry, I know it's late, but I just want to um, re-echo the sentiment that one of the gentlemen, I think on the one of the speakers made about, once you give up wildlife, give up a natural environment and a natural habitat, you're never gonna get back. We're not going to get it back. Even if they turn the buildings down, you're never going to get back all the wildlife and the habitat that got destroyed. So I think we're we really always have to think about about the natural environment that's there now before we destroy it for any reason. Number three. Uh, yeah, I keep thinking like uh, Council Dean said. Um, you have to look at the language. Be really careful about. What is said legally, if you look at the word shall or may, that's the defining lines, that's a border. And in this case, if the FAA says, well, you may do it or you may not, it shouldn't be misinterpreted, shall do it, therefore you have to do it and go forward using that. I'm just suggesting that we really look, we really need to look at the fine print, which is where those things really happen. <clears throat> um, and the other thing is, when I'm looking at uh, business development, we're, we're tasked with uh, making sort of preliminary decisions when, we, when things come to us about land use. We're supposed to make our best guess as to what 
you know, staff tells us this is what we should be doing. So we look at all the evidence that we're presented with and we make our recommendations, which is uh, basically just a recommendation. It's a suggestion. It's, it's uh, what we say here really doesn't have any teeth. And that's what I'd like to see happen is that it is taken really seriously when we have the community come forward. That's where the teeth should be. That's where the decisions should really be looked at. And when business development in an area is supposed to be for the highest and best use, and that means how much money you're going to make for it, how many people you're going to provide for, whatever. Um, if we look at what really should happen is a re-metricing, recalibration of what highest and best use should be, and it should be to work with the environment and maintain it at the that's the highest level. And like many of the speakers said, once you lose it, you've, you've just lost the highest and best use of that land. We have to rethink things. We have to slow down. If anything, we can benefit from uh, what COVID has really shown this bright light on our disability with making those decisions for the general public, for the greater good, for the highest and best use. We have to rethink everything. And I don't think if we just fall back on business as usual and, and look at all the benefit of you know making money or whatever, um, we should not be kowtowing to the stockholders. And in this case, it's the stakeholders that really count. That's just my final comment. And, uh, we are on borrowed time, we're on borrowed land. We don't own this land. We need to be better stewards of it. And the sea level rise is not mitigated by making sure the runways are able to handle the weight of the jet. Even if they don't even take that long to, you know, I really appreciate the safety zone really should be there. And I know that this airport was one of the largest ones during the war that provided, it was a depot, you know, and it's, if we didn't have it during the war, we would have been, you know, fighting the bad guys for a much longer time. Those times are gone. Now we have to look at the bad guys are now not necessarily the business owners, but there just should be a better uh, construct of how we go forward in looking at the future. Yeah. Thank you, Member Cizova. Anything? Yes, thank you. Um, I also agree that it, it, I would like to see the language that was put into that document um, about it, if it's it was advised to expand the safety zone and it was like a required, as you already mentioned as well, because it does means a lot. Just because you know you you can do something, that doesn't mean you should do something, right? So uh, just because we can construct something in this place doesn't mean that we should construct something such as this uh, industrial park, which I absolutely find it um, mind-blowing uh, because it, it doesn't subsidize what it has already right now. It doesn't replace what it has right now in terms of the natural environment in the life that is there and how many people can actually benefit from interacting with this environment right now. It's just really concerning to me that um, 
we are again uh, placing the profit over people, over people's life, over people's health. Um, it's concerning. I know, uh, as somebody already mentioned before, in an ideal world, things will be different. But who's going to create that ideal world then? I, I mean, the only thing we can do right now is to try to prevent um, life being destroyed. As you already said uh, before me, once this is destroyed, we, we can recover it. And I'm very, very concerned. And I, I heard one of the, like, I heard, every, I, I'm very happy how many uh, people spoke from the public and voiced their opinion and their feelings on, you know, how much they enjoy seeing this environment in the morning. So whatever they go out and having this as a backyard, as opposed to having a bunch of planes and how somebody mentioned that the house shakes every single time, whenever the jets comes down, I will not want to leave it in that. So, and I'm sure, you know, the, uh, the, the sir who came to uh, give the presentation, he will not want a house behind that you know, um, in this environment. So I think what I'm trying just to, to wrap it up and say that I really hope that we consider and everybody consider the what is in stake here is much more than just a piece of land. It's... it's um, the kid's future is mental health is a way of is a coping mechanism of all the stress that we usually have during uh daily lives and um so I, i'm gonna leave it like that because it's already late and i want everybody to go home and i really appreciate everyone's um input and opinion today thank you Thank you. I want to thank the City of Hayward, City of Hayward Manager, Public Works Director, and Airport Manager. You've been gracious hearing us. Thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. And, uh, don't be a stranger. <laughs> All right. Um, let's go ahead to Chair's report. I have none. Council announcements, comments, and reports. Any council announcements? Um, I would just like to recognize the passing of um, Supervisor um, Richard Wright. All right, so if you're going to have a conversation, like, it's okay. You can, yep. one, one second. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Um, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, the meeting doesn't really adjourned yet, so um, we're just making comments, oh, yeah. comments from the council, yeah, announcements. I just wanted to recognize the people who are still here, um, the passing of uh, uh, Richard Bayer, who's uh, District 2, who's been probably the most environmentally, you know, astute uh, supervisor that we've had. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've known him for 45 years, so um, just really appreciate his his life and his uh, uh, legacy. So he'll be missed. Thank you, Michael. Any other council announcements? 
Anything about supervisor? Is it there? Oh, yeah. Because um, I think we yeah. need to say something, right? Right. About oh. our beloved Michael. No, no, no. So, so this is Michael's uh, last uh, meeting with us. I want to oh. thank Michael for all of his years of service to the Eden Municipal Advisory Council. You've been stellar. You've been the greatest warrior and representative for your community. Um, you're going to be missed. I wish I had um, all of the words to say what a difference you've made in the process of getting the EMAC off the ground. It's been a pleasure working with you. You have had astute observations every meeting. I'm going to miss the perspective that you bring to each agenda item. It's stuff that us five, seven did not see and um, it will be missed. Well, I appreciate that, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm still oh. around. Um, and now I'll be able to come and give my three minutes to the napkin. <laughs> and I'll, you know, run it through you guys before I even tell you. But anyway, um, no, it's, it's for personal reasons. And I really have to take some time for my own family and be healthier for myself. And then maybe in a couple of years, I'll come back and bug you some more. But um, I'm, I'm not going to be gone. I'm still going to be listening and I'm going to be you know, in touch with all the folks and make sure that my, um, I'm really, I really am, I mean, I've done an extra year after my term was over anyway, because of the testing of Chan, and now I'm feeling almost feel like I really should re-up for another year until we get somebody to replace. Uh, Yay. Yeah, but I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm going to hold with my own. <laughs> I'm going to have to start saying no. I've been a yes man my entire life. A teacher, you're in service to people all the time anyway. And I just have to start paying attention to what my needs are. Otherwise, I'm not going to make it to 100, which is my plan. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. I'm on the 100-year plan. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Anything else from uh, council members? All right. I do. miss you. <laughs> There's a um, cleanup at Hazel Park on Hazel and Maine um, this Saturday. If anybody wants to join in the fun, it's a beautiful little pocket park that's getting um, cleaned and greened and eventually gleaned by Forrester. It's great nonprofit out of Petra Valley. And that should be a pretty fun little thing to see how they change it. All right, Saturday, what time? Uh, 9 a.m. 9 a.m. All right. Hable yeah. Park, Main Abel Street. Park. All right. Very good. Um, staff announcements. Nothing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'd like to adjourn this meeting in the memory of Supervisor Richard Spire. We are adjourned.